All right, today is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Oh, there are a few times I will say, if you are a Christian, this podcast may be the closest you ever get to hell. Um, this, this is one of those days, but it's not a complete dumpster fire. It's a pretty entertaining dumpster fire, uh, mostly because the fire is not between Christians. <laughs> so, um, today... We start off talking about the Dungeons and Dragons movie, right? I know, weird for Christians. Um, so, can we watch it? Can we partake? Is that brushing shoulders with the devils? Um, well, let's talk about that. Um, then we put on our conspiracy theory hats and talk a little bit about aliens. Are aliens just uh, synonymous with demons? Do people want us to think it's little green people from Mar- Mar- Martian, from Martians, from Mars, Martians from Mars, or something like that? Um, actual material beings, or is that just a um, clever adaptation for what other people may call demons? Um, let's talk about that. Then we'll take the tinfoil off. And, uh, yeah, interdimensional demons disguised as aliens. Now we'll take the tinfoil off and uh, listen to, well, some Calvinists talk with someone who, I don't know what they are, Unitarian or Israelite, I don't even know. Um, doesn't concern me, um, except I'm, I'm there just listening. So um, if you're interested in that, there's a lot of yelling and screaming and obnoxious noise in the background. Um, so, you know, can be entertaining. After that, um, there is a equally, except better audio, um, still yelling and screaming, and our Jewish friend who regularly stops by and contributes absolutely loses his cool. Um, with some other dude who's talking about, you know, the Torah and some... Mamamides or whatever, a Jewish scholar or rabbi or something that says apparently uh, Jews should kill Christians who read the Torah, or Jews should kill Gentiles who read the Torah, and makes the guy lose his mind. So I don't have a dog in this fight. I mean, you know, technically the claim we follow the same God, but for this discussion, I don't care at all. Um, but it is entertaining. I just try to keep the best I can. All I will say is I like free speech. That doesn't mean I won't censor anyone ever. That primarily means free speech. Government, stay out of it. When it comes to me, I follow similar principles. I'd like to not censorship people, censor people. But if they go on screaming, cursing tirades, I'll probably censor you. It hurts my ears and I don't like the language. Um, if someone, I don't know, starts calling for violence, I generally don't believe that should be a crime. But in my room, um, I will probably censor that too. Um, you know. Crimes are for criminals who actually do crimes, not for people that just, you know, influence someone. Our law would disagree, but that's my position. Anyway, um, follow the laws. Um, so as far as calls, and there's before this discussion, calls about anti-Semitism and wanting me to moderate the chat. And I don't know, if someone's saying, hey, kill this group of people, don't do that. I'll probably censor you. Um, don't kill anyone. But if it's like this convoluted, like, anti-Semitism, and then I have to, like, decipher it, and I need a crash course and why it's anti-Semitism, is it a dog whistle, is it, like, come on, I don't, I don't care. Like, it's not anti-Semitism. Like, it's just like when people say, oh, that's racist, that's racist. I'm like, dude, I asked what time it was. They're like, you're racist. Racist is from the white man. Racism, time. I'm like, oh, come on, it's not racist. So, I take a similar approach. If it's not immediately apparent, I don't care. Uh, free speech. Say what you will. Um, even if it hurts your feels. People tell us, you know, Christianity's stupid, God's stupid, you know, Christians suck all day long, and I let them keep saying it. So, you know, we have a pretty wide uh, freedom of speech policy here. So that's what starts this conversation, and you'll see where it goes. Have fun! Get your uh, popcorn and 3D glasses. Anyways, 
check out the Ask a Christian book that shows how to have civil discussions, unlike everything you'll hear today. Um, except for me. I'm not perfect, but I guess I have a knack for letting people stay vile, horrible things, and not calling them stupid and idiots. I, I guess that's my talent. Um, anyway, <laughs> I fail miserably in other areas, plenty of other areas. So Nate is not perfect. Um, it's a shocker, I know, surprise, never meet your heroes, right? Anyway, check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon to have civil dialogue with people who don't necessarily agree with your views and are not necessarily civil. Also, check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support the cause, and check out the donate link. You can support this podcast sharing the gospel, which is what actually matters, which is the whole reason we should be here, um, is. So sharing the gospel with people on the internet and not talking about religions that aren't even ours, not talking about secondary issues. I mean, you know, discussion sake is good, but primarily promoting the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ and showing people the God of the Bible. That's the primary goal. If you would like to donate and support us, grab some merchandise, whatever, keep us going. It does cost money, unfortunately. That's our goal. That's our mission. So uh, check it out. Enjoy the podcast. And we'll see you next time. Maybe, you know, well, if I want to do it a different way, I have to make a movie. Like, what do you want? That, that, that's true, I guess. But I mean, I appreciate like a little artistic license. Like, I really did like the the like minor. Um, oh, what was it? Not minor illusion. It was like the. Um, oh gosh, why can't I think? It's like the most like a cantrip. Whenever he does the, the he does the bard, he comes in, and then you get to uh, you know how it's an illusion. It's not an illusion. It's the thing I, I can't think right now. It's like a cantrip. But um, anyways, so he plays the bard, or he plays, he's playing the lute, and he comes in, and then you see, like, an example of what it looks like with a break concentration, because his face gets all distorted, and he can't maintain it, and they're like, oh, and they saw through it. I'm like, oh, that was clever. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, why can't, please. is that, it's not, uh, it's the, oh my goodness, why can't I think of this? I can't, Help me yeah, the, only, the only caster I ever play is a cleric. <laughs> it's like the, the thing that uh, can make you clean and shiny, it can, uh, press the digitation. Right, because it can like create oh, okay, kind of like okay. minor illusions or whatever, yeah, or sounds or something. Anyways, maybe that's not what I'm thinking. Anyways, so yeah, as far as far as the Dungeons and Dragons movie, um, I guess we can start by saying I don't think it's inherently anti-Christian to you know enjoy fantasy realm type stuff like that. I mean, it's imaginative, right? Which I mean, it sounds like something the devil would say. But I mean, you know, where do you draw the line? Star Wars, you've got good and evil. You've got archetypes that you can read into Christianity very easy. Um, you've got World of Warcraft and video games um, and people that are like, well, that has magic. OK, well, what about Call of Duty? That has real life depictions of like violence and death. Um, is that is that cool? Because it's just not magic. Um, I mean, you know, you, so anything like fiction, you know, mimics real life. So at the part where someone wants to set up like occult rituals and break out the Necronomicon and start cutting themselves for Satan, I'd say, you know, back away and get out of there. But if they're like, yeah, I want to, you know, shoot a magic missile and shoot some cool lasers out of my out of my fingers. OK, sweet. I mean, if you feel convicted about that, don't do it. But, you know, I, I don't think it's also right to say it's inherently, you know, sorcery or satanic like breakout. You know, it's kind of like, wow, we're just jumping everywhere. And by we, me, we mean, we, I mean me. But it's like when people bring up the Levitical law about, first of all, which doesn't apply to Gentiles. Secondly. Um, when it says, you know, you sh men shall not wear women's clothes, and they try to make the trans argument against that, and it's like that just, it's a different category that doesn't apply. Like, the way the the people in question view themselves, that law doesn't apply, because they're like, oh, I identify as a woman, and I'm wearing women's clothes, therefore the men shall not wear women's clothes does not apply. So the same way, like, when you talk break out, like, occult and sorcery, and, you know, don't communicate with the dead, 
if you're talking about a fantasy game, like even Lord of the Rings, right? That was written by a Christian guy. Like if you talk about Middle Earth and Sauron and like, you know, the evil magic he uses, if you're trying to summon the dead and legit speak to evil spirits, that would be the time that scripture applies. But like sorcery and necromancy and all this other stuff, if you're like, uh, no, I'm, it's fiction. Like I want to shoot some lightning, you know, out of my fingertips, uh, you know, for pretend, haha. Like, I don't really think I can do this. I'm not calling on the power of Satan or anything to do it. Uh, that doesn't apply. That's not the right time to use that scripture. Um, anyways, that's that's what I would say. That being said, you asked my opinion on the movie. I thought it was pretty good. Like, I saw all of them. And I know a lot of people have criticisms of all the other D&D movies. You know, like the other three. There's four total um, official ones. And, I mean, I, I, I enjoy them all. Like, you know, there's only so many limited. It's like fantasy has, is the most, like... Um, like has the least availability of a genre like there's just a lack of it so like we've got lord of the rings we've got the hobbit we've got the DD movies now like there's not a whole lot of great fantasy movies they're just it's, it's a neglected genre but i thought all the DD films were, were good i mean i can see the cheesy parts couldn't stand marlon wayne's character in the first one um <laughs> i mean that was like jar jar binks but um anyway yeah this one i mean it's great like i mean it's new it's it's the most modern so they have the best special effects it's the biggest budget they've ever had the bugbear i wish would have had more of an appearance i wish they would have done more stuff with that just because i i like cgi done right um so you know i really like that i i wish it would have made more of an appearance um the the bad chick was was super cool i thought she did her part really well um yeah the the saz tam stuff like i'm a big forgotten realms fan um, I've read lots of the books, but it was mostly uh, Ari Salvatore and like the Drizzt Orden series. Um, so I never got, uh, it was only like peripheral to the the Red Mages of um, Faye and stuff like that. Like it was some series I've been meaning to read, but just have never got around to it. So it was kind of cool to see that storyline. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I mean, it was like wholesome entertainment, um, you know, besides trying to turn everyone on the zombies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I thought the, the only thing that was like, I, I avoided all of the trailers because I didn't want to have any spoilers. Um, but when, but, but when the red mages were first like all in the dark and stuff like that, like, Oh, like maybe is this going to be like drow or something? Um, but like the, the red mages are still very cool. And it, yeah, I think you need to be able to, um, and, and I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Uh, and I think that you, I think that you, Nate, I think, I think you're a good example of a person who's able to compartmentalize and understand that, you know, like the, because it was really big, like in the early '80s, right, when the whole satanic panic thing hit, right, and and Dungeons and Dragons was was right on par with heavy metal music. Like they got, they both got both barrels equally. Um, and, but to be able to compartmentalize it and say, you know, this is just something I do for fun, you know, and I I might even do it on a Sunday afternoon after I get home from church. I I think there's I think there's value in being able to compartmentalize your life like that. I mean, I don't want to see like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to seem like a super like liberally type Christian or whatever, but I, I guess it's just my personality. Like I, you know, I, like, I, I guess I focus on God for, for God stuff. Like God is the ultimate, right? Like in everything, like everywhere and everything we do. So when it comes to like, you know, kind of like traditions of man and I get like, you know, God created the Sabbath for man. But when people, um, you know, when people try to do extra things on a certain day, kind of like that separates the line from god like the ultimate authority in your life um in my humble view from like traditions of man like man says you know sunday at 9 a.m god takes attendance in sunday school i'm like no he does not so i will discount your traditions of man if i want to go to church on saturday evening which i often do because it's convenient and i like it why not i mean it's not like we should punish ourselves and do the most inconvenient thing um unless you want to be like a monk like you know beating yourself with the flails like there's you, you get zero brownie points from god for doing that 
um, you're just hurting yourself for no reason. You should see someone about that. So, yeah, I, I mean, on one hand, I, I wouldn't say compartmentalize. Like, I disregard God. Like, God's, God's cool in his God box over here off to the side when I need him. I'd say, you know, God is every pre ever present all the time. Yes, even when I'm in an imaginary fantasy game, you know, playing with lightning and, you know, swinging swords and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so like uh, the day of the week, that, like that type of stuff, traditions never really held sway. Not because, well, I mean, maybe, but not because I think I'm discounting God or compartmentalizing him or something, but because I'm like, well, let's focus on what God cares about. Jesus, worshiping, praying without ceasing, you know, always meditative, you know, about this deity you follow, not necessarily like, you know, you have to work less on a certain Sunday um, or, you know, something like that. Sorry, I'm long-winded. No, and that's interesting, you know, because like, so when I was a, when I was a Christian many moons ago, um, it, it was also at a time of my life when I had, I had less, uh, a, I had less ability to kind of uh, set schedules and stuff like that. And I found myself, I found myself working on Sundays. Right. And I, and I was, I was conflicted about that. And so I, you know, I would, I would seek, you know, seek people and, and talk to them and stuff like that. And basically the way it was conveyed to me was, you know, look, you know, God doesn't, you know, care so much about that. It's, it's not about the day of the week in the building. And, you know, he would understand, you know, like if you are, you know, if, if you're just a working stiff, like 99.9% .9 of us, and you got to work on Sunday, cool, set aside some time and that'll be fine. That, that, that was that was the resounding message that I always got. Well, does anyone else have anything to say to that? I'll Nothing say, to, yeah. I'll say, um, background noise, there we go. Um, I'll say that, um, I, I'm, I'm sort of with you, Nate, as far as, um, I understand, Michael, what, what, what your, your, your perspective, I probably just wouldn't use the term compartmentalization but i'm not hung up on the the word choice or the semantics either i get the, the basic meaning um i'll say that from my military experience um on deployments flying on planes when we were in a three-day rotation where we mission plan we flew and then we had the day off and then we mission plan and we flew and we had the day off there was very little conceptualization of anything beyond that three-day schedule because of how much that schedule took of our our attention, our lives. So we really didn't think about things in terms of weeks. We thought about things in terms of, you know, when's your flying day? When's your mission planning day? Because your day's a little bit shorter. And then of course your day off, half of that you're going to sleep because you flew the day before. And so it was just um, trying to operating on that schedule downrange, but then, you know, getting to the chapel on chapel days as a Christian and, and jumping in on there, you know, like, Tuesday worship team rehearsal or Thursday service or Friday service, I think, um, or Bible study, and then Sunday service at 7 p.m. And our flying schedule would rotate. You know, some days I'd be able to, um, actually most of my deployments, I deployed like six times. Um, most of my deployments, I was on a schedule where I was either able to wake up early before my flight and go to that evening service or I was landing from the flight um, and, you know, being able to, you know, get there for like maybe a few minutes. But on some rare occasion where there's weather or some crazy thing happening at, you know, in the air where I couldn't exactly make it, 
I never felt maybe some disappointment, you know, like as a musician, it's like, oh, we were going to do my favorite song or I was excited to, to, to be a part of this particular aspect of the worship service on this day that was scheduled or planned. But aside from that, there was never really like some disappointment that I'd somehow failed to meet the quota. Um, and that's because when I was younger, I understood uh, and what was impressed on me was the importance of, as you said, setting aside some measure of time, right, to show commitment or dedication and submission to the faith that you're saying you hold to express a that sense of priority for who God is in your life that, hey, I'm going to take some time out of my day, my week, my whatever period of time and only focus on God for this time and eliminate distractions and whether that's a church service or a Bible study or taking a moment to just listen to a, um, a, a thoughtful song um, that's God centered or take some time and crack open a book. There were definitely Sundays where I was at 30,000 feet and I'd have my little pocket Bible in my flight suit and I'd whip that thing out and read some scriptures and write down some notes about some ideas of, of how to take those scriptures and, and, and apply them to my life to make my life better more Christ-centered. And that was my worship for that day because there were no other believers to gather with on that particular plane in that crew at 30,000 feet. Um, and so I think it's, it's about the heart where you get some of your ideas, Marquis? What'd you say, Chris? Oxygen. I was just, I was making a joke. Is that where you get some of your ideas from oxygen deprivation? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, just to land, I'll say... Um, you know, I think it's about the heart posture, the desire to center yourself on God. And then, you know, sure, God wants us to have fun. I do think that there are, for me, there are hard lines that I won't cross. Um, but, you know, people can argue about, you know, personal conviction or, you know, where those where those lines are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I posted my hard lines in the the in the chat. I'd probably encourage other people these should I would encourage people you might want to consider these hard lines for these particular reasons, but that's not something I'd impose on anyone. What uh what are the hard lines I didn't see in chat? Okay. So hard lines for me in terms of movie shows, uh things of that sort, it's going to be um uh possession, exorcisms, and Occult practices that are basically on screen and from research I understand or from family members or friends who maybe participated in certain things uh, and then come out of it, convert it to Christianity and and tell their testimony about some of the crazy things they were into, whether it was, you know, voodoo or, or some I forget the um, there's one that they would do in, in South America. I forget it. It's, there's a name for it, I forget. But, uh, you know, those kinds of things are, are people I knew from Africa who, like, had family members who were witch doctors or, you know, uh, specialized in certain kinds of spells, those kinds of things. And from talking to those people, it's like, okay, well, some of these things that they're putting on screen are actual demonstrations of these real-life practices that people are doing every day. That's going to be my hard line. So, like, demons, exorcism, possession, that kind of thing is going to be where I draw my line, you know, in witchcraft practices displayed on screen, Ouija board, seances, that kind of thing. That's going to be where I draw my line. Um, yeah, I, as far I agree as, with your line. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 I didn't watch, like, movies like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I didn't watch that. 
but I watched, I've watched every Final Destination because... I do yeah. like to find all destinations. <laughs> right. So, so as, a, as an example, I'm not going to watch... I didn't watch... Um, I mistakenly watched Drag Me to Hell. That wasn't on purpose. I didn't realize it was what it was until I'm, I'm like, what the heck's going on for most of the movie? And then at the Literally. end, I'm like, oh. Was that the one with the wrestler? Where he was like, no, it's the, it's the girl, and then she like... The title, she like, is, the title yeah. is literally Drag Me to Hell, and you didn't realize what it was about. And he mistakenly watched it. <laughs> I didn't know that was what was on. I was at someone's house, and they were watching it, bro. I they were watching it, and I was like, okay, was it's a weird movie. This girl's running around. She's like an insurance claim agent or something, and and she doesn't do right by this old lady, or I guess what this old lady feels like doing right by her. So, and this old lady looks super like creepy and and all that. Anyway, the point is, no, I didn't all. realize it was about a demon coming to drag her to hell, and that was the name of the movie until like maybe three quarters of the way through the movie, where. There's like the creature and you, all you see is like the shadow of the creature. You don't actually see the creature until she's like on the train at the very end and she's getting dragged down to hell. So I'm like, oh, snap. That's what this was. OK. Um, and then I went about my day. But no, I didn't watch like the exorcism movies or like the omen or those kind of weird things where it's like somebody's got a demon. No, I'm, I'm I'll pass. Yeah, and, and that makes total sense, like, coming from your perspective, like, that, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect, like, for me, like, The the Exorcist, the original Exorcist, is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's hysterical. I, I laugh. You know, it's like, I'm like Beetlejuice, like, you know, I've seen it 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. That's me. I don't look at it the same way, you know, you do. And, and so for me, you know, it, it makes sense. And uh, I also agree with what you said about, you know, the whole kind of, um, you know, setting aside time just kind of for whatever. It seems like it would be super petty, you know, like, you know, if, if it turns out that God is real, that it'd be like super petty about, no, 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 it has to be this time, you know, you know, from, from, you know, from this time on this day, and that better be Eastern Standard or something silly like that, right? It, it just seems, um, it just seems ridiculous to me. Welcome, Chris. We missed you yesterday. Yeah, yeah I mean, pretty I missed, gnarly day. I missed you too. Of me, Bob. Oh, you missed I, me too, Bob. I missed yeah, you, I too, missed, Bob. I missed you too. I still have a question. Oh, boy. Something about the Trinity in three, two, one. Go ahead, Bob. No, it's probably something about Calvinism. Okay, you say Trinity, I say Calvinism. Which one is it, Bob? Which one of us yes. is right? The question is, should I believe Jesus is God? Oh, I said that. Did you guys hear me? I said it under my breath. Did you hear me? I said it right after the Trinity. <laughs> okay, okay. You win, Nate. You win this round, Nathan. <laughs> win the battle, but the war is still to be decided. Well, All right, maybe, well, Chris. Maybe Michael can answer that question. Well, okay, so when I was a Christian, yes, I believe that I, I was a Trinitarian. I believe that that Jesus was a was not a created being, uh, and that when he came to like when he came to Earth, he was God made flesh. That's what I believed. Dude, when the atheist is correcting you, Bob, you need to question your life choice. No, I just want to know how he got his mind straight after reading the Bible. Foolishness. I'm Jesus didn't come from heaven. I told you that. Jesus literally says he comes from heaven. No, he literally says he says I have not come down to heaven to do my own will, but I have come to do the will of the one who sent me. Those are Jesus's <laughs> legit words. 
<laughs> he said, I have not come down from heaven. Did you get those words? Yeah, to do the will, to do my own will, comma, but I have come down from heaven. There's the conjunction. I have come down from heaven to do the will of the one who sent me. So you say Gabriel didn't have much good sense. Is that what you say? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Oh, hang on. We have Glenn. I don't recognize Glenn. Let's talk to Glenn before Bob. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> Thanks for the, the salvation for a second. Good Lord. What's up, Glenn? Hey, what's up? What's going on, brothers? What's on your mind today? Uh, I say, I've been I've been came in this room a couple of times, but it always be like at the end when I used to get in here. Like, what was the subject y'all was on just then? Y'all was saying was Christ? Oh, oh nothing at all. It is totally whatever you want it to be. That was oh, okay. My that's cool. Question. My question was, should I believe Jesus is God? We answered it. We answered it. Yes. Even Michael answered it. Uh, yeah, well, well, from what I read from Christ and from all the prophets and even the apostles, that Yahweh is the only one that's God. That's John that's seventeen Yahweh. three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep reading the John seventeen five. It says you said John seventeen five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a prophetic perfect. You talking about when he said, "Glorify me with the glory in the beginning" and all that. <laughs> Perfect. What does that even mean? It's not a part of speech. It's called a prophetic perfect. That's the best Bible. Uh, okay. Christ comes from the of, lineage of Abraham. Glenn, you, you got a lot of static. Is there anything you can do about that? Sorry about that. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, Marky's also, for the record, you got a lot of static. Ah, it's a lot of yeah, background noise. Yeah, that was wind out there. My bad, brother. There we go. That's better. <clears throat> oh, man. Is and, it? And, yeah, he said it's yeah, he from the lineage of Abraham and David. All right, what is a prophetic perfect? I don't think I've ever heard that. Uh, Glenn? Hold on one second. I'm about to pull it up. One second, brother. One of the hey, wait, wait, wait. He's saying he's that that's that a up. part of speech? That that's a grammatical part of speech? Is that his uh -huh. argument? I, I, we don't know. He's pulling it up. from yeah, he's working Just as he's it. pulling it up, I, I'm, I, maybe, maybe one of you guys who reads the Bible more than I do. It's perfectly uh, prophetic. That's what it means. It was, it's perfect. All right, Bob. Sorry. Yeah. Too much, too much crosstalk. Go ahead. Mike. There was, uh, it was John eight something where Jesus was, I, I forget who he was talking to. And he said something like, um, I declare something, uh, before, before, before Abraham, before Abraham came to came, I am. Something like that, and that was that yep. was one of the ones that that was convincing. I I don't remember the exact verse, but that was one of the ones that was that helped convince me at the time. Yeah, it says before Abraham was, I am, and the verb that form of imi, um, I me, uh, in the Greek means come into existence. Before Abraham came into existence, I am, and he says it in the present tense as an I exist. And that's a continual action, a progressive, continual action. I exist. Yeah, I mean, like, it's funny. Like, I mean, I, I don't think any of this stuff is real. But I think from a biblical perspective, the Trinitarian view is the only one that you can support. I don't get how I, I don't, I don't wow. get how pe people take a Unitarian approach. I just don't understand.
Go prophetic perfect for you, brothers. Prophetic perfect tense is a literary technique used in the Bible that describes future events that are so certain to happen that they are the past tense. Comes from Hebrew. Don't come from. Oh, I'm in the red. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, we hear you. Hello? What? Uh, yeah, yeah, we hear you. Yeah, yeah. What source um, are you getting this from out of morbid curiosity? Are you there? Do you hear us? We, we do have. I just noticed. I just glanced down at my phone. As I'm, well, since I'm not working, um, I glanced down at my phone and, and, I, and uh, my dear friend Josh is here who speaks Hebrew. So maybe uh, if he has a moment, he can come up and, uh, and uh, comment on this. Sure, Josh. Let uh, us know if you want to jump up here. I mean, I, I want to know the source. I don't know if Gwen's not able to speak again, but. I, I just heard him say something about something, something Hebrew. I'm like, well, Josh speaks it. So I don't know. Yeah, I would just wonder this, what source this is coming from. Um, but well, I guess if no one's talking, Michael, it's back to you and I. Well, hold on, brother. My bad. I'm at work. Give me one second. No, sure, sure. <clears throat> so you got the day off, Michael? Uh, no, well, <laughs> self-imposed. I'm not working today. Uh, yeah, I just, it, it was, uh, yesterday was another, it was, it was funny. I, I had a great, well, it was a terrible day. And then um, I had some good distraction. I ended up apparently ask a Christian yesterday was full of drama, and I ended up in a room yesterday afternoon with Steph and uh -huh. a couple of people who were I was talking. There. About, um, oh yes, yeah. Oh, that's right. I, that's right. I, I apologize. I, I yes. Now I remember you were there, um, and that was really, really, uh, really interesting. And so uh, Steph and I, Steph and I were on the same team, Nate. We, we we were battling against a against a common evil. That's harsh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, by common evil, what do you mean by common evil? Um, the well, the the okay. I, I don't mean to start a fire, but this is probably gonna start a fire. Um, <clears throat> the thought that uh, mental health disorders can be addressed uh, spiritually. You know, oh, honestly, I don't know. Steph what... was telling me that that spawned a million rooms afterwards. Is this true? Well, really? know, every, everything, a million, but everything spawns a million. Everything seems to spawn a million rooms. I do lately, except I'm never a part of it. Uh, yeah, Chris, you need to talk about Steph. She was hardcore. We're like, no, there's mental health professionals. She's like, nah, demons, depression, demons. I'm like, no, nah, we're just kidding. She she took the other side. But I don't know. I mean, you know, under the Christian paradigm, and it's weird, right? Because as soon as a Christian says something like, I think spiritual forces can play some part in people's mental or physical or spiritual well-being, um, everyone's like got prickly feelers up, and they automatically think Christians are turning into like on-the-fly witch doctors, which lots are. So it's like it's hard to, you know, under the Christian paradigm, what I said, we believe. But then it's like, You'll find more Christians at not who who espouse such things, but then they'll go super far off the deep end, and everything's a demon. So it's like if someone is like legit demon possessed, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, I have mild to moderate uh, depression, and someone's like demons. Like if I think someone's like legit demon possessed, like you're gonna know it. Like a, a secular right. mental right, health bro. professional is gonna be is gonna be like, whoa, we've never seen this. We have no treatment. We have no diagnosis for this. What could possibly be going on? 
uh, maybe call an exorcist. Hey, Nate. But, yeah, I think the the, the run of the mill, uh, the run of the mill, you know, people who are like, oh, woe is me. I have an imbalance and stuff like that. You know, get some therapy, get some counseling, maybe get some meds. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, I, you can't see, even though we believe demon possession is a thing, um, it, it, demons are not everywhere. Um, it, you know, it could very simply be traced back to the fall of man, and that's why there's physical problems, that's why there's any problems. Um, but ultimately, you know, just to say it, um, whatever ails somebody, even if good old therapy from another human could fix it, well, Jesus certainly can too. So, well, no, I, and I would, so what's interesting, yeah, and, and so what's interesting, so just to, just to give a point of clarification. Mike, where I, Mike, before you do, I, was, I wanted, to, I wanted oh, yeah. to read something I parsed out with, with Steph in my back channel. I'm going to have to hop off soon. That's the only reason I'm asking. Oh, yeah, fire, man. Go, go Thanks, ahead. boss. I appreciate you. So uh, one of the things I parsed out with Steph is literally exactly what you said because so when people, like you said, when their little prickly you know, defensive mechanisms erupt, they don't actually listen critically. They are like they spent the most of the room talking past each other, not realizing uh, for a few people, not realizing that Steph was agreeing with them. She just put it in clinical terms and then they put certain things in biblical terms. But it was the same basic principle, fundamental idea. And I was like um, the, the, the what I ended up parsing out with um, uh, with Steph was I'm looking for it because we had a. a a decently conversation, right? So uh, what she said or what I said is, okay, so this may be nuanced in definitions, but you are defining mental illness in a manner which necessarily excludes demons, i.e. if it originated from a medical condition, then it's not demons. And that is not to say that demonic influence or demon possession cannot appear or present as physical illness or mental illness, but you would categorize that as something fundamentally different because of its origin point, right? So demonic possession may look like uh, a physical illness, which we've seen in scripture. We looked at Luke 13, and there's the, the woman who was bent over, and the Bible legit says that there was a spirit which caused this woman to be crippled. And, uh, you know, Jesus rebukes the spirit, and then her physical ailment is gone. So... There's biblical proof for a demon bringing about something which looks like a physical ailment, but is not a physical ailment because no amount of medical treatment will fix that problem. You'd have to deal with the demonic possession to treat the problem because that's the source. So even though it looks the same or has similar symptoms, you would quote unquote diagnose that as a totally different issue, not a mental or a physical illness but a demonic illness. And that was something that she agreed to that basically she's not saying that demons can't cause something that looks like mental or physical illness, but that if demons are causing it, it's actually not mental or physical illness. It's something else different, like totally. It's like apples and oranges. And so that was the, the understanding that I was able to uh, parse out with her in terms of what she meant and what she was saying. And I just wanted to put that for the room to to represent her clearly, because when I say it was so bad, like it was terrible. It was bad, bad. It was bad, bad. And then people were like, oh, you're sympathizing with her. I was a moderator in the room, Nate. Oh, you're sympathizing with Michael. He doesn't even believe. And I'm like, that's the point. Uh, and Steph said it. Michael has an experience and education in this field. We wouldn't tell 
a surgeon, a brain surgeon, that he has no bearing in a conversation about brain health when we're discussing brain tumors just because he doesn't believe in Christ. And we say, yeah, medicine can fix it, surgery can fix it, and Jesus can miraculously fix it also. Which is also what Steph said, that demonic illness or mental illness, Jesus is the answer, but we can't say that because Jesus is the answer to all these things, that all of these things are interchangeable. They are different problems. And yeah. I'll land there. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, Mar Marquis. The, the like you use prickly. That's incredibly charitable. There was <laughs> there was there, there was such a a lot, like it was it it derailed so many times. The 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 train wreck was was catastrophic actually. And oh my and gosh. and the, the the hard part the hard part was is that and Mar Marquis representing it completely accurately. Steph, Steph was not saying that you know that Jesus can't be the answer, and and the, and it's it's hard because I like I went in there and I've talked about you know starting a fire throwing a grenade in there, I I, I dropped you know the uh, a Moab in that room yesterday, um and it it was bad, um like what I said was basically I said look I said I don't care because there is there is data out there to support the positive psychosomatic effects of spiritual beliefs when it comes to healing and that can't be disputed. Right. It, it's, but, but, and, and what I said was, I said, I said, so if you, if you engage, you know, therapy and, and uh, you know, whatever that looks like and, uh, and meds, if, if required or prescribed by a physician, what I said was, I said, I said, if you do that, I said, I don't care if you do that. And, like whether you pray, go to church or wave a chicken over your head. I don't care. And that, that just blew the room up that everybody lost their mind when I said that. Um, and I, I said, I don't care if you do like do the first two things and then whatever else you think you need to do, but just make sure you're doing those first two things. And Steph was saying exactly the same thing, but, but, and what Marquis said is true. They were, everybody was talking past one another and it was, it, you know, it was just demons. It was just demon. It even, it even devolved into, uh, like into a couple of the people saying you're a white woman and this is a black room. Like it got really bad. Oh my gosh. Wow. I thought the drama here was bad yesterday. Why am I never around when this happens? Or I should be thinking, God, I'm never around when this happens. But yeah, I did get a back channel from one of the people she was uh, sparring with. And uh, I think she said she was going to be here in a minute. I was going to wait for her. But anyways, I, I was told I need to, I need to get my woman in check. Like I guess my ask a Christian woman and put her on a short leash. I, I was going to wait for her to uh, to read the quote I got, that's but uh, I'm like, well, that's in I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, like get her on a leash as in like, you know, put her, make her a footstool for you when the end comes and you're in heaven and that type of on a leash or. Well, it, it was weird because I mean, like, I mean, when I, when I went in the room and there were, I think there are a couple of people here that were there yesterday as well. So they could, they could say, I'm not, I'm not talking out of turn. Steph was kind of getting, she was, it was pretty attacky against her. And that got, I mean, even though, you know, we don't know, you know, know each other other than kind of this space, I got kind of defensive of her. And so when I got the chance to talk, I just, one of the first thing I said was everything Steph said is right. And, you know, blah, 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 and, and tried to, tried to help, but it ended up not being too much of a help. Like I said, it, it turned into a bigger, um, a bigger cluster. Probably and I, for what I said. And, and I think, you know, the people doing this, like the super spiritual, like only Jesus, um, which, I mean, on its face is not a bad answer. But then the way they view that is, you know, kind of like no blood transfusions, just pray harder. Or, you know, you don't have what you want. Well, just pray harder. And that's kind of where they go, which makes it bad. Um, 
but it's like you know to the christian who's like i would put myself in this category who i mean tries i would say i mean we all would say we try to be biblically accurate the best we can but you know me trying to be as biblically accurate the best i can it's like the kitchen sink approach why not like you know i believe god you know gave us knowledge gave us intellect and you know we've used this to create medicine to create therapies to create you know counseling and intellectual study of the brain and stuff like that so why not take the kitchen sink approach like pray yes and it's like as soon as you say anything other than just pray it's like you know you're not a real christian or you're not a great christian or you know you're one of those christians that deny all this stuff it's like no i'm literally talking about demons possessing people i'm just saying not in every instance you can say that um stop being such an absolutist where you can't be like you you some maybe someone just had a bad pizza the night before now they're like wake up feeling funky but so it's like, look, in between, yes, pray. If you're not a Christian, I mean, of course, I'm going to advocate for being one. Um, but, you know, pray to Jesus, ask for help. Like if you get mental health treatment, the kind that you, staff, myself, everyone's recommending, it's probably going to be a little bit of a wait. You're probably going to be scheduled out a couple weeks. Um, so, you know, in the meantime, pray. I don't know. I don't know any secular mental health professional that would discourage you from like eating different, trying to eat healthy, trying to get a little bit of exercise. Like oftentimes, I mean, that will make a huge difference in brain chemistry. I'm not saying that will totally fix depression, but I'm saying if you have a couple days or a week before you get to see a mental health professional, I don't know, give it a shot, exercise, do a couple laps, like, you know, eat an apple, stop eating so much sugar. I don't know. Why, why not? Just try everything you can, uh, you know, to better yourself and like get wellness. So food, diet, exercise, pray. And then whenever the guy's like, oh, okay, your appointment time. Great. I've done this, this, and this. What have you got for me? Just do it all. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because so like in, in the, in the things that like in the people that I do counseling with, if, if someone, if someone does want to take a, like a, or add a spiritual one, because I am obviously, you know, firmly secular. Um, if someone comes to me and says that they want to do something spiritual, one of the, like, I will, I will put the cards on the table, say, you know, you, you're going outside of a, you know, out of a belief system that I, that I have. If you like, I will sit quietly if you want to do this. I said, or if you want someone who shares your beliefs, I am happy to recommend you to a colleague. Um, cause I'm not going, because I don't, cause I'm not going to discount because even if, and because my firm belief is it's not going to be efficacious, but it might be to that person. And if that person is going to get some benefit, in any type of tangible way, I'm not going to just, because my goal is that person being better. I don't care how they get better. It's almost like and, you've and, got a sense of professional ethics, Michael. Well, that sounds uh, very reasonable. I, I, I do, I do what I can. And then of course I break out the Ouija board, right? You know, but, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask like, like everything you sounds good, but are you secretly like, Oh, excuse me for just a moment. I'll be right back. And then you're like, you summoning demons to possess them in the back room. Yeah, too soon. yeah, too and, soon. just kidding. Yeah, and and I put on and I and then I put the movie Drag Me to Hell on. <laughs> but only good demon. What's up, Brandon? How are you? So oh, not bad. I heard uh, talk about D and D, and so I got intrigued, and then we kind of pivoted away from that, probably for the best. <laughs> but uh, I did, I did, I was here, uh, I was here yesterday, so I did want to vouch for Michael and what he was saying. I mean, so Steph it, did uh, message him. My oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was just gonna say it. Uh, it 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 did uh, as as an atheist, similar to Michael. It, it did kind of come to a point where it was just kind of 
really weird that we were uh, both on Steph's side against uh, against these individuals who are just blatantly, obviously denying that science exists, kind of thing. Steph did message in my Discord and said in about five minutes, about 15 minutes ago, she has a groundbreaking survey to bring to the room. So I've been waiting on that, but apparently um, she's a bad Christian because she's clearly lying. Yeah, it, it was funny. One of the one of the um, the therapeutic modalities that she mentioned is something that I don't that I don't use and don't have any any real experience with. I, I'm aware of it, but I've never used it. And so after speaking with her a little bit yesterday, and we, we back channel messaged a bunch um, as it was going on and afterwards as well, after we both left. And uh, so I reached out to one of my colleagues uh, this morning saying, you know, can you send me some information on this? You know, it's not something that I do because I'm not a clinical psychologist, right? Um, you know, that's not, that's, I'm not a psychologist. Um, I do have, I have my undergrad in that, but I don't have a master's in that. My master's in something else. Um, so it, it is, it, it is interesting to, you know, to, to talk about this stuff. And, and she, she, Steph, um, puts, put forth some really, really good information. So, yeah. Anyway, hopefully she should gets I, here soon. Should I throw a grenade in the room and say that Christians can't cast out demons? It's not one of the things that Christians are able to do. Uh, hang on one second. Yeah, apparently, I don't know where I was pulling the five uh, minutes from. She says after her meeting in an hour. So I don't know why I thought five minutes. But um, when you say Christians can't cast out demons, I wonder, I'm sure you, we're, I don't know, maybe we're going to disagree. So I'd say like the authority like given to the apostles where they're like, I'm Paul, get out. Um, if you're saying Christians can't like, you know, pray and throw around the name of Jesus and, you know, the power of God, like, you know, Jesus himself will remove the demon, I would say, I totally believe that's a thing, but you, Chris, don't have the specific authority to go around removing demons. Is that no, where you're going, or somewhere no, different? No, I'm saying we as Christians cannot say, "In the name of Jesus, I cast you out." That's not a thing. And so, um, what I'm saying is that yes, the way that demons are cast out of people who are demon possessed is that they repent and believe the gospel. That is how a demon is cast out in modern days. So I think no unless, you, unless you make an argument that um, Michael and I would agree on is so compelling, I'm powerless to refuse, um, I would say I currently disagree with that. I mean, maybe not the I cast you out, but, uh, you know, definitely not what you're saying. Like, because if they have demons, like, I wonder what the, their ability to repent and believe is. Um, ah, that's, yeah, I, the, that's the interesting question, right? <clears throat> It's right. not a Calvinist thing, Chris. Stop it. Yes, it is. I think okay, Christians so... can pray and the power of God can remove the demon. And then the people are like, oh, my gosh, what was that? God is real. Demons are real. Ah, yeah. Yes, Jesus, save me. No, that's, I, that's my stance. That so is what you thing. would have to. I know because that's the common charismatic stance, but it has nothing. In, it bears no resemblance to anything in scripture is the problem. And OK, so... explain how yours is. So, so Gather around what you would have to do, well, so I can, so <laughs> the, so the idea of casting out demons was never seen as a regulative idea in scripture. It was seen as a sign and wonder, like changing water into wine and walking on water. Like it is, it was seen as that level of miracle. It was seen as a reg, as a 
Red Sea parting experience. It was seen as a sign and a wonder always throughout the scripture. It was never seen as a run of the mill. Christians can cast out demons. And so the, thank you. Um, So the, the idea also would need scriptural backing to show what the procedure would be. So there's all kinds of procedures for praying for healing you know, you anoint the person with oil, James chapter 5. There's procedures that the apostles give for all of these other things. There is never a procedure given for casting out demons in the scripture ever. So, my so, so Chris, is that be, part of your... Sorry. Uh, well, well, I was, was going to say my, my first question would be, you know, your take as a sign and wonder, whenever he, you know, cast demons out of, you know, like the dude cutting himself, he specifically said, and this could be argued, you know, that Jesus knew he was going to do it anyway, but he wanted the guy to keep it quiet. Well, but he does signs uh, and wonders because he wants him to keep it quiet at that point in his ministry. Well, like he right, heals but the I guy mean, as well and tells but him I mean, to keep it, it quiet. But I mean, it seems like in addition to, you know, maybe the glory of God or, you know, sign and wonder, it's legitimately for the relief of the person being tormented. Um, would you disagree and say, no, that has no part in it? Because I think relief would definitely be Jesus like, yes, I, I would like to set you free um, for your well-being, not just for signs and wonders. In which case, why wouldn't he do that today? Want people to be relief, just like you believe there's healing today. I mean, that's not just yeah. for the glory of God. You, I mean, you would probably oh, say, well, God would like people to be healed. cast out of them as well. But it's not by Christians saying, I cast you out. It is literally by the gospel. So if someone is demon-possessed, the only way a demon is coming out of them is for them to repent and believe. And and the really interesting question is, when someone is demon-possessed, what does that do to their will? And so we see from the demon-possessed people that Jesus encounters that there is a back and forth between the human will and the demon, not really taking over, but the demon kind of speaking. And so... Is demon possession a total surrender of that human's free will? I would argue it is not. I would say it is not a total one either because, yeah, it seems like you can see them fighting and doing things and, you know, they're, they're tormented. I mean, if it yeah, was totally taking over their will, that you probably wouldn't see that struggle. So, right, like, they would just be a happening. meat sack robot, right? Right. So I guess we agree there. Michael had a, I was saying something to you, Chris. Was it Michael? I, I was just curious if, if that, if, um, if the lack of scriptural backing is one of the reasons why you um, are again and against sounds harsher than I mean it to, but kind of um, against uh, Catholicism, just given that, given that the, you know, that um, the Holy See uh, employs <laughs> what they, what they call professional exorcists, which is just a joke. It's, it's, it's like being a dog psychologist. Right. Yeah, hey, I, mean, I like Caesar Milan. I mean, <laughs> well, like he doesn't claim to be a dog psychologist. He yeah, does, right? He says, specialist. I, well, maybe he doesn't claim it, but that's the popular uh-huh. thing. Like you know, dogs. He has a dog psychology center. Like that's the I mean, literally the name of it. Sure. Like the point. Like yeah, my 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 brother-in-law just sent their dog away when they were in in Japan and Korea for two weeks. They sent their dog away to an obedience school and that dog's a completely different dog now. Like it used to be that dog almost wrecked his wife because he ran off while she was trying to hold the leash and he's 120 pounds and she's 100 pounds. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you can see how that goes, right? 
So like, <laughs> you know, now their six-year-old can walk that dog. It's amazing. Anyway, um, but uh, what I was going to say be possessing is, yes, Michael, animals? so, oh, for sure, right? But that's what all cats are. Um, so, <laughs> right? So, so, Chris. So, yeah, I mean, where do you think demons hang out, bro? So, um, yeah, Michael, to answer your question real quick, uh, I'll get to you in a second, random. Uh, to answer your question, I mean, I the idea that somebody who rejects salvation by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, can somehow cast out demons is completely laughable. And, like, I find the, the exorcist hilarious as well because a Catholic priest would have, like, you know, it would literally be a replay of, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who the heck are you? And then they get like <laughs> beaten to, to shreds and thrown out of the house naked. I mean, that that's... I don't, don't Christ say that in Matthew 7? He say, um, it kind of like to your point when he said, it, it, when he come back, he said, they're going to be running up to him saying, we casted out demons. And he's going to say, I never even knew you. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say that one too. There you go. Hey, just, question, just... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you, you categorized walking on water as one of those as well. But Jesus wasn't the only one that walked on water. Peter also walked on water. Is that at all relevant to that? Right, so Peter, A, was an apostle, but B, he was walking on water. The, the whole point of the story is that he had faith to walk out on the water to Jesus. And the moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started sinking and crying out for help. And so the idea there is not one of Peter doing a sign or wonder. It's that Jesus was in the middle of doing a sign and wonder, and Peter had enough faith to walk out onto that water, but his faith wasn't great enough to sustain him, um, and he he started sinking. But that's a whole different. That's a whole. We can talk through that. No, but the other point where Jesus, uh, where the people said, didn't we cast out demons in your name? That refutes your point that the Catholic Church couldn't cast out demons. Because they did cast out demons, and Jesus said he never knew them. I mean, well, you know, that's not a bad point. But you're assuming that well, they're right. You're making Well, like the Bible talks about, right? Like the guys who are, they're saying, like, wasn't that the context as demons? Like the apostles were saying, Jesus, these guys are like using your name to cast out demons and stuff. What wasn't that wasn't the demons they were casting out using his name? And he's like, they're not even of us. Right. Well, again, we're making the assumption in the passage that they truly are casting out demons. Jesus. Like, says, why would we make what? the assumption? Why would the text never says that they truly casted out demons? It says they are, quote unquote, casting out demons in your name. It never says that it they really are casting out demons. What? It just says. Oh, that's hair splitting, bro. That's hair splitting. Well, no, now that. Well, that's Christ like yesterday. We, that's like yesterday we talked about, like you know, Thomas, and the whole case. Reb was actually making it was did Thomas really touch the scars in Jesus' hands? So uh, quickly, Chris, would you just say he yes didn't. or no to that? Okay, that was the case he was making because he's like, Jesus says, "Touch my hands," but then it says, "Oh, you see, because you, you believe because you see." So he's like, "Well, the implication is Jesus says, touch his hands.' He's going to touch his hands." He's like, well, it doesn't specifically say he did. I'm like, well, the implication is there. He's like, no. I'm like, okay. I mean, that that seems a little reading into it. So to say, like, they're casting out demons in your name, but they're not actually casting out demons. I, I don't know. That that seems a little Yeah, that's how you tough. read the scripture is you don't add things to the scripture that aren't there. 
Bro. But it literally is there. Oh, hang on. Let's. Is this in? Is this in one passage or multiple? Multiple um, gospels. Let me just like. I just want to read this thing myself well, now. Is this in one or two gospels? Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty um, to twenty-three, I believe. Well, we're talking about a different passage, uh, Glenn. We're talking about where. Um, where G the disciples come to Jesus and they said, hey, these guys are using your name to cast out demons. It's a different. Yeah, how does that okay. break? Okay. How does this, like, principle that you're using of it not being explicit, therefore we can't say that it occurred, um, doesn't break the Trinity, since the Trinity is never explicitly stated. And you can say it's alluded to, and that's what we're going to say. We're going to say that these things are alluded to, and you're going to say, oh, no, that doesn't qualify. <laughs> that destroys no. your no, right, no, no, now no, you're no. special so, pleading then. Okay, so this is Ma Mark this is this is Mark nine uh, verses thirty-eight. So uh it says Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle, i.e., apparently cast out demons. No one who does a miracle in my name can the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not uh, against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, almost done. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the science of reward. So I, I, so if we're, if we're trying to read into this, more than saying it didn't happen, because Jesus back in the next verse, Jesus says, no one who does a miracle in my name. So it seems he acknowledges it's a miracle. They're casting out demons. So if you want to read into it a different way, not your way. It would be more accurate to say, well, he's not a disciple, but they are true followers of the Messiah. Because Jesus seems to acknowledge they are doing a miracle in the name of Jesus by casting out demons. You not agree to that? No. No? Was that, was that no? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I guess we just differ. So, uh, so take it concrete, the answer to your question, the reason that we derive the Trinity from the scriptures through systematic theology is because we are responsible for the clear, the clear implications of scripture. And so this is a difference in literature between what the clear implications of scripture with all of the revelation that were given about who Jesus Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is, um, as well as who Yahweh is, right? that we derive the Trinity through systematic theology. Now, do we derive that these people were actually casting out demons from systematic theology? No, we look at the text and it's a two, it's, it's an apple and oranges compared. Bro, that was like horrible reasoning. You said we use implications to come to conclusions. In one instance, you're not going to allow implications in another in another uh, another instance. You're special pleading, bro. No, again, they're apples and oranges. Concrete. Here's the problem that you're not understanding. We're taking the context of one single verse of scripture and we're making an implication from that that could have broad implications for other things. The difference is that we don't do that with scripture. We don't take one verse and build an entire theology from it. What we do is we take the whole breadth of scripture and we build uh, theologies and systematic theologies from those. Okay, so 
what what I'm talking about is not taking one specific verse and drawing massive conclusions about the nature of the universe, um, as opposed to taking literally hundreds of verses throughout the scripture that describe the Trinity to derive the Trinity from systematic theology. It's a huge difference, and it's not special pleading. So thank you. Yeah. And real quick, no... hang on, hang on, real fast. I forgot about Yvette. Yvette, you've been here like this entire morning. I completely overlooked you. I'm sorry. Did you have anything, uh, anything to say? No, just listening. It's interesting. Continue, continue on. Please. Continue on. Chris's uh, special pleading. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think we're making huge uh, pronouncements about the universe, which is like crazy to think that when we say that when we say that these de that demons were actually being cast out by people in one instance that weren't a part of Jesus. In another instance, Jesus literally said, I never knew you. When he said, uh, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we, didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we raise the dead? And they, and he says, uh, depart me from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Right. So the idea to think is that they weren't actually doing it while God in, in the in the presence of God, he, he didn't say that they didn't do it. And we understand that Jesus knows all things. He could have easily have said, well, you never really did that. Um, in fact, it's showing that the power of God is so strong that people can be out of accord with God or, or not known by God and still perform works in his name. Right. So and that's where you're your drawing point, massive your that's where sorry. you're drawing massive conclusions from sorry, bro. one verse that makes I didn't interrupt you, bro. Please stop. Yeah, so the idea very simply is implication, context clues, reasonable <clears throat> inference in one instance, implications, context clues and reasonable inference and well, I would say maybe a harder inference to come by would be the trinity, but because it leads to something that doesn't make uh coherent sense that you have to now augment the scripture with all sorts of terms and thoughts and it's just ridiculous i don't know oh why atheist is on stage being rude oh that was yeah, the sound crazy. effect i thought you were like getting hit by an airplane <laughs> anyway um where was i mean I? if you want to learn how to read the scripture i can teach you man we have a class tonight at nine o'clock so yeah that's condescending come, and distracting and doesn't deal with any of my points but whatever makes you, you feel really better make... here i'll do it again i'll say it again since Coraletta interrupted with that noise right so the idea is you and with regards to the trinity have not had an explicit pronouncement from God that the Trinity exists, and yet you rely on implication, context clues, and argumentation to come to a concept that is wholly like hard to deal with. Not even, I would almost say incoherent, but just say hard to deal with. In which case, in order to deal with that very hard to deal with concept that you've come through, through implication, you're now having to inject into the scripture all sorts of other concepts, hypostases, um, substance, uh, whatever your, your other terms are, right? You created all of those terms to try to understand and explain the concept that you got through implication, not through explicit pronouncement. And so you're saying that's not possible when we, we can't use implication and context clues when we come to the conclusion that there were actual demons being cast out by people who Jesus who are, who are not believers of Jesus. So again, you just and then that doesn't lead to anything that that, that doesn't lead to anything. You 
didn't understand it, that's why I had to repeat no, it. I, I said I would. Understood it. So, or if you didn't understand response. it, wait, you're over talking, bro. What are you doing, man? Because you're Please going stop. on and on and on like you always do. Can you just let me land my plane instead of like the personal attacks? Land it before James Corden. I did. And now, How about another minute? Anyway, let's move so, on because we clearly just I, disagree about stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so what I've established is that you have identical situations where a pronouncement of a concept is not explicit. Concept of people who aren't in Christ casting out demons. The concept of the Trinity are not are in both cases not explicitly stated. But yet we come to one conclusion in one instance of it actually happening, which just makes total sense given that the power of God exists. And we and we come to another conclusion that does have problems conceptually, but yet you hold to the more problematic concept conceptually, though it's not explicitly stated, and yet you don't want to hold to the more we would call parsimonious uh, concept uh, for whatever reason, because of whatever okay, grand implications you think might occur. Well, I, I mean, I would split the difference and say, talking about the concept of the Trinity and stuff like, you know, assigning terminology. I mean, that's to make it ease of use. If you don't want that, we'd be like, oh, the Trinity here, here's giant chunks of scripture. Have fun. This is where we get the Trinity. So that's one thing is not like the other. That's a different category. So, but I agree, as hard as it is to say, um, with you about the, the demony thing. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with you about that. But then that's a completely different issue than terminology for the Trinity. That just boils down like, you know, large books and chapters of the Bible into something like that you can explain your case in like one, one or two words. Instead of saying, yes, read chapter and verses and books, this, 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 and this. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so much. Well, if you don't want a quick terminology to identify it, this is what you got to do. Um, anyway, that's what I'd say. Chris, do you have a final thought? And then maybe someone else has something new for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the clear implications of scripture, we are responsible for. What Concrete is trying to do is he's trying to say that the Matthew 7 bit is a clear implication of scripture, whereas the Trinity is not. And that's just nonsense. And it's a it's a category error. It's his doing special pleading, and I, I'm done with the conversation. All right, Michael, back to you. Save us. James hasn't had a chance to say anything yet. James had a giant airplane noise. I was worried for his safety. What's up, James? Anything on your mind this morning? I'm just curious about these demons. That's all. Uh, yeah, you got them. You got them, James. Well, I guess that's the answer. Next, <laughs> James, anything uh, more specific or was the last two days of conversation not enough? <laughs> Demons. I just, I'm just baffled that people actually hold they exist. That's all. So I just find that interesting. Well, I mean, not to, not to, well, I mean, not to appeal to popularity, but just saying uh, the appeal to popularity should at least lessen the condescension, um, you know, that the overwhelming majority of planet Earth has believed in demons and spiritual stuff. So it doesn't make it true or false, but it should lessen the aura of arrogance. <laughs> That's all. Uh, CEO, welcome. What's up? Um, yeah, no, I thought, I thought Chris and the other guy had a really good conversation. I did see both perspectives on the specific scripture. I saw what he was saying, and then I, I understand what Chris was saying about you have to use a wider lens and look at multiple verses before you come to a conclusion. So my, my question for you, Chris, is like, 
Do you feel like there are some specific scriptures that are so bulletproof that you don't have to do that? Or should you always do that on every single topic? You have to read scripture in context. There's a whole bunch of rules that are hermeneutical rules that you use for any written word. Um, from an Ikea manual to a math textbook to a science textbook to the scripture, you read it exactly the same way. They're just rules of hermeneutics. And for us to ignore rules of hermeneutics, yank things out of context, and then make theological conclusions from those things is simply a, an abuse of both written language and the I mean, I want to see if I can speak for Chris. If he was going to say there's one scripture that doesn't need like super, you know, like um, about, like hermeneutic, grammatical, or well, I mean, it would, but I don't know. Jesus wept or repent and believe the gospel. Like those are, those are pretty, um, you don't need a whole lot of extra thought. But I'd be right, Chris. I mean, I, th I think that's really saying those are some scriptures that are so bulletproof. You don't need like a lot of extra, like how to read a book. I mean, even, I mean, there's just no messing that up. It's like, Jesus wept. Did he jump? Did he laugh? No, he wept. What is wept? Right. And you're still using interpretation. Way. There's just not a lot of observation that you have to do beforehand. So like when you say Jesus wept and you're reading yeah. it, you know, it's not like it, it's not like you've got to observe a bunch of stuff in the verse in order to get what what's going on there. You know, like it, yeah. it's really obvious. Jesus, this dude, wept. It's not difficult. <laughs> uh, Sing, what's up, Sing? Welcome. Hey, what's up? How you guys doing? Oh, we're all right. What's on your uh, mind today? No, I'm just doing some work. I'm just doing some... Uh... So I was writing an essay, just... and then I'm just doing some other work, yeah. So just jumped up on stage to hang out and listen? All right, well, let us know if you have anything to say. I might, I might say something, you know. Yeah, the concrete guy was kind of funny. Um, he was saying... I should I should use the word funny. That's very condescending. Um, he said a very very erroneous point about um getting the word trinity and essence and hyperthesis and stuff that's just the way that words work we use words to describe concepts that's just what we do in fact if that's the case then we should only we should all learn how to speak greek fluently and only use the greek words that appear in the bible in our uh, discourse on the bible but that makes no sense obviously like you just said the word noted, you just said that. Yeah, you can't use that. I'm sorry, bro. It's uh, <laughs> what's the Greek word for word. that? Exactly. Uh, like there, there isn't. There's no set word that says noted, as in as like an idiomatic phrase. We just don't have that. Maybe it's like notatiousus or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Ebike? Exactly. How are you? I'm doing well. Like, uh, even I just... then, oh. is he still talking? Oh, um, I thought it was done. Uh, were you done, Sing? Didn't mean to cut you off if you weren't done. No, nah, I'm done. I'm, ba I'm basically done. You guys get the point. I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah, you back. Um, I was just want to comment on spiritual experiences. or, or like, Because I personally, I've seen shadow people. I've had like my bed shake at night. And then like I, pray, I prayed to Our Father. And it would like stop shaking. And um, granted, like I don't expect really people to believe me necessarily. But, like, so many people have had experiences like this. It's I think it's kind of, like, unreasonable to just dismiss them all, hand wave them away like they're liars or something. And also, think about how many 
experiences people have that they never even share because like there's like a lot of like rude skeptical people that if you come out and talk about things like this they just treat you like garbage so there's a lot of like people that have these experiences that never even share them so um i think that's sad we live in a world like that where you can't even like talk about something unless it's scientifically verified or something like that so well, it's interesting. Um, I never, I, I never ever discount someone's personal experience. Um, I think that, like, I, so when someone experiences something, I believe that they experience something. I just don't necessarily think like. So I think that for people who have an experience, I think that that's a good reason for them to believe whatever it is they believe. But someone else's experience can never be evidence for me, and and it's, and it's too bad. E-bike that, that you've had those experiences with people kind of like you know slapping you you know down or, or something like that, but I mean the, like the one thing that I would say is, and and this will this will sound less charitable than I mean it to, but um, we can find people right now. We could probably find clubhouse rooms, uh, something like that, of people who have been who say that they've been abducted by aliens. Uh, we could probably find people online who said that they've you know seen Elvis at a diner somewhere, right? Yeah. And and we don't take them seriously. I, or pardon me, yeah, I'll speak for myself. My, I don't take them seriously. Either. Me and a group of that, friends, that's all I'm saying. Me and a group of friends when I was growing up, we were like kids, but we all three of us, we saw a UFO and we never even told anyone because we're like, everyone will just like laugh at us and mock us. So think about how many experiences people have that they never even share because of the way they get treated. And like, sure, but there I are different know, types say, of like, religious experiences. People's eyewitness accounts isn't evidence. Like, that's just insane to me. And, I mean, well, I think it's funny. Like, it, I, I am interested to see what happens. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, I believe this stuff, you know, is totally, is totally, like, it exists. All that is to be determined is does the, does the specific person saying this, um, has it existed and happened to them? So I believe in a world where the spiritual stuff exists and things like that can happen. Um, but does it happen to everyone that claims it? I mean, even you would say, you of course not. You know, people will say it for any number of reasons. But I believe there are instances where it actually, you know, stuff like that has yeah. happened. Um, but I think it's interesting that, you know, let's let's put our tinfoil hats in for a second. That, you know, now, like, because I guess there's just so much kerfuffle about it and things have came out. That the, you know, like the military um, once said, like, aliens, no, that's crazy. And now it's like they're releasing reports like, you know, they're not full on saying like alien extraterrestrial life, but they're like, you know, going hard with like re starting to release like UFO reports. And yeah, they're like, well, it's clear. It's clear. It's not another government. It's clear. It's not this. It's no technology the world has ever known. Like they stopped just short of saying it's aliens. So I'm wondering if we keep going down the slope. All right. This is going to be a political slash Christian conspiracy for a minute. So, uh, by the way, is uh, mushrooms fruit or vegetable real quick? It's a fungus. Do you know tomatoes are both? It's I, I, mushrooms I are they're... fungus. They're fungus. Okay, anyways. Yeah, I've always heard they're a fruit, fruit, but if they're both, interesting. Okay, so not to derail. So back back on this. So Christian political conspiracy theory. So uh, the, the military, the Pentagon, starting to like lean towards like, I mean, it's all, but they're going to say extraterrestrial life at some point, probably in the next two decades. Um, and at that moment, Will will people believe that it's just other beings or um, could it really be like spiritual entities that, you know, they're calling extraterrestrial, but it's like these spiritual entities that Christians would call demons. So keep an eye out for that. All right. Tinfoil hats off, everyone.
Check Very much. My... You want to respond real quick? Uh, hang on. I think Ebike was trying to respond a minute uh, ago. What were you saying, uh, Ebike? Were you? Oh well, I don't know. I, I kind of think uh, the government wants us to believe in aliens for some reason, and uh, to take away be... from the demons. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, um, but I, I th- there's definitely something going on. I kind of suspect it might be some like advanced human tech that they don't release to the public or something. All right, you say advanced human tech. I say it's to disguise the demons that they've sold their souls to, and um, yeah, that, that's that's my conspiracy for the day. And I and um, I Edward, have you gonna tell us on. about the basement of the pl- pl- ha PizzaGate. I mean, okay, Wait, so in even in? if pizza, in one second, because of Chris. Okay, just the general depravity, like you know, Mister Tulip, you would like depravity. So uh, even if PizzaGate is not a thing, you can't say that somewhere in this world at some time something as awful or worse has happened just given the general depravity of humanity. Oh, definitely. Can, can I get an amen on that? Yeah, amen. Yes. And also Pizzagate. Okay, yeah, Edwin, like, chime I in. Mean, Epps, uh, oh, I mean, basically Pizzagate. <laughs> I just, I just want to say I agree with a lot I, a lot of what E-Bike said. And uh, PTR, I'm going to see a tinfoil hat. This is how you should construct it. Just check it out, everybody. It's pro- appropriate way to wear a uh, this is the proper way to wear, wear a tinfoil hat. Just want to say that. Oh, hey, everybody. Great. That's all I'll say for now. <laughs> I right, love yeah, it. I'm one of those, I'm one of those uh, tinfoil hat wackos. So. Hey, Edvern, I forgot. Are you also a flat earth believer, too? Shh. <laughs> no, man. Flat earth gang. <laughs> it's flat as a pancake. I got to get to work, everybody. Awesome. Awesome. Maple syrup or... or uh, flat, flat earth discussion, everybody. Discuss. Why? Uh, <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Have a good one, Edvern. Um, I just wanted to put one more option on the table. So uh, what about UFOs being the future us doing time travel tourism? The UFOs and... I don't have a comment on that. (laughs) But the UFOs are in the Bible. They call chariots. I'm gonna. They, they're not what uh, the government's doing. Uh, Vanga, welcome. What's up? Hey, what's going on, brothers? Have uh, you come aboard the mothership? I have jumped upon. I have jumped upon the mothership. <laughs> hey, I got a um. I was listening to the um conversation between Concrete and Chris earlier. Um, and I was thinking, right. Um, when you when you cast out demons in the name of Jesus, you know you're you're, you're actually um, doing it in the authority of. It. So it's like if if you go back to that passage where it talks about um, we have cast demons in your name and so on and so forth, and then he says, "I never knew you." So it would be God Himself that would be able to give them the authority to cast it out in the first place. So, if he says he never knew them, then, I mean, the, the conclusion that I would draw would be like, they perceived that's what they were doing, but that's not what it was. Because if God never knew them and never gave them the authority to do so, I mean, uh, I, I would see that conclusion. And going to the other passage where I was talking about how, hold on, little boy. Oh, oh feed f- yeah, of sugar or something. Man, this is where I've been all day long. Gummy bear, gummy bear, gummy bear. <laughs> so, uh, on the other 
passage where it talks about how, you know, there was some other group of individuals that was casting out demons. If I, if I think the passage that she was actually reading, I mean, do, do you consider the possibility that they just weren't aware of this specific group that God was aware of, that he gave authority to, that were actually believers? That was one of the of things I just... conjectured about. That was, that was one of the things I posited. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Because there, there was like, uh, but that that's that's the the concept that I'm looking at. Because I'm like, how do you cast out something? Uh, unless you're, you're treating casting out demons as just some kind of, you know, mathematical equation, some potion that anybody can put together and actually do, instead of it just being something of authority. That or I mean, you know, uh, or I mean, you know, regard. I mean, you do. You also hear like stories, like you know, people who I don't know. They'll say they were a different religion, or gosh, I really need to resource my my thoughts better. But I, I don't remember if it was like I've probably heard both, like people who were not a Jesus follower. They were like you know, an atheist or Muslim or one of them or both of them. I don't know. Um, different people, not an atheist Muslim. But uh, different accounts of people will say like you know, there was some like weird feeling they got, or you know, they'll like, say demon encounter or whatever. And whether or not it's true, the stories are there. Um, and, you know, they they finally, like, you know, they went through their prayers. It wasn't working. They, you know, tried to rationalize it away. Um, and finally, something happened that was, like, so intense. And all they knew was, like, I don't know, some distant memory from, like, childhood, church school, or something like that. Or, you know, they invoked the name of Jesus, and everything stopped. So, clearly, they would not be, in, you know, a true disciple of Christ if they're a non-believer or another religion entirely. But, I, I mean, I do believe there is authority and power in that name, and usually that's what leads to conversion. So, it, you know, does everyone who says that, is that a true story? No. But to say that's never happened, I don't believe that. I believe, you know, I believe there are accounts where that that lines up with something Look, I believe can happen. Here's the mistake you're making. You're trying to say, you're saying the authorities in the name, and then you're also saying simultaneously some like permission must be granted to the person if the permission isn't granted to the person does that invalidate the authority in the name of course not the authority is in the name so the idea of vanel says something that was like like god can't do this that's weird god can do whatever he wants however he wants whatever right. he wants to do it whether or not it baffles the mind is irrelevant but the idea is if somebody's casting out demons by the power of God, doesn't have anything. I mean, you you can't tell them not to do it. So I don't understand. Well, I mean, well, not necessarily because God God can only do what is consistent with His nature. He can't he can't you know He can only do what is consistent with His nature. The idea that God can do anything is, is I think you know He can't make a He can't make another Himself. You know He you know, it's just not it's the, it's not it's not a limitation of his power is just there's no possibility for that you know within the context of what i said within the context of what i said why can't he not do what is being posited here that non-believers are casting out demons because jesus's name what? is not a magical totem well, uh again his name what? is not a magical casting totem. out de they were casting out demons before G they knew the name of jesus what else well, no, there's also things we can't explain. There's things we can't know, right? Like, is it because 
uh, you know, Jesus is a magical totem, which I, I don't think it's a magical totem. But is it because Jesus is a magical totem, you just say the name and continue in your own belief? Or is it like Chris would say, uh, perhaps at that moment, uh, well, maybe you would say you're immediately granted repentance and all the other stuff milliseconds away, which is why you then have the thought to call on the name of Jesus. And, uh, you know, Jesus then like grants you as a immediate convert or true disciple that power. And, and there's just no way to know that. Like we're, we're in super like Bible doesn't speak directly to this territory. So anyways, that's what I, I would say. Like, you know, if someone like says the name of Jesus, are they saying it and continuing in their unbelief? Are they saying it only because, you know, God like gave them the thought and, you know, let, let them repent at that moment. And uh, now they, they have the authority, but I mean, Chris earlier said that he didn't think that anyway. So, I mean, there's, there's different things that we will never know how or why. So we can't build a theology on that. I mean, let me let me say something real quick. I, I, be, I do apologize. Like when you say like when people say I cast it out in the name of Jesus, I, I don't believe they're talking about simply in the word formulation terms. And then there's power within that. I, the, the concept that I get in my head when I say I cast out in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm, I look at it. I cast out in the authority that Jesus gives me not something magical about the name i know i know a lot of people named jesus you know and i can't cast out demons in their name just because their name is that name i, I think we gotta rethink well, yeah. how we think of name well i mean i i think i agree with you because you know if you're talking about you know if you're saying in the name of jesus and you're thinking jesus jones the guy that sang like you know what was that song he sang um in the 80s come on it was it right here right now was that jesus jones if you're thinking of jesus jones you know probably nothing's going to happen if you're thinking, oh, I don't know much about the Jesus of the Bible, but that's the guy I'm thinking of. Like, you know, those crazy Christians say that, you know, he, he's God. Let's give that a shot. Like, if that's the Jesus you're thinking of, I think you're onto something. So it's not like a, I would not say magic totem, but it's the one whom you're appealing to. Um, the right, creator right. of the universe exactly. or Jesus exactly. Jones, what, a popular What agency. you're describing is literally the definition of it. Look, just because you phrase it as a in a in a with a negative connotation or as a pejorative doesn't in any way like negate the reality that Jesus and his name is powerful. I don't know why I don't know why you would try to undermine that by like sullying it with that type of you know, label. No one right. is sullying his name. No one is saying that Jesus's name is not the name of God, which you deny yourself. So, like, don't, you know, if anyone is sullying his name, it is me, those bro. who it is those who reject the Trinity. So, you know, for you to come in here and say that a Christian is sullying the name of Christ because I don't believe he should be used as a magic totem is both insulting and off-putting. So, again, concrete. This is why people don't like dealing with you. You're the one who said that using the word of uh, the name of Jesus is not like a magic totem. I take that to be a, a, a convenient labeling such to undermine the power of the name of Jesus. And I've called you out on it. And now you're feigning, uh, you know, victimhood no, no. What, because what, of no. your debate tactics, your characterization, you your labels that say... your labels that you used, not me. Yeah, I mean, Concrete, you're working a little hard here, though, don't you think? I mean, you know what he means when he says magic totem, right? Are you really confused by what he means? And do you did I say I was confused? 
Do you, well, do you, Did why, I say why I was you, confused? Why do you disagree with him saying that? Just tell me what you, is the what is a, What is a magic... He got a call. Hey, I got a question so... for the room. Don't, the, the, what about Satan imitating Christ? Didn't Christ tell us that the fake Jesus was coming after he left? Don't we got in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, that false prophets can even do these things? It says that. It says they can come with signs and wonders. That don't really mean nothing. If you ain't following the commandments of the Most High, then that like what y'all was saying about when Christ said, they cast out demons and I never knew you. At the end, he said, because you work iniquity, which is transgression of the law. See, that part was left out. If you ain't obeying the Most High, it don't matter if you say Jesus or not. That ain't the true Jesus or Yeshua. So, Michael, ready to uh, repent and don your robes yet? Pick your faction. Well, it looks like there's all kinds of colors of robes here. Yeah, ours is the right one, and we have cookies. Yeah, I mean, cookies. I think yeah. that I think that the thing that maybe was missed in the discussion that you guys were having yesterday is that there is an entire faction of quote unquote Christians that truly believes that um, you can use the name of Jesus like a totem. Um, Unironically, um, it's called the word faith movement, and it's that words have power, you know, that you as a human have been given this special power and authority by using the correct words as a magical incantation. Um, and there is a large faction of people on Clubhouse that believe that. And I think that a lot of the pushback that you probably were getting yesterday um, was coming from folks like that. Um if we could have talked to them further, they probably would have been that type of people. But I, I don't, I, apparently Steph knows them quite well. I, I think I just know, know them from yesterday. I don't think I've had previous interactions with them, but I mean, you know, I was kind of like now, I don't know how I'm always in the middle. Does that mean I'm just, uh, just wrong from both sides or I'm magically, um, you know, <laughs> see what, what, what is it? Like they say, uh, they say the, the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle, which uh, <laughs> I conveniently take um, anyways. But I mean, you know, I, I was like, whatever it was yesterday, I'm like, look, kitchen sink, uh, pray and get therapy. Done and done. Why are we still talking? Um, no one liked that. They wanted to be like, no, no, just therapy. I mean, even though they would like grant, you know, lip service, be like, totally therapy, but yeah, also Jesus. Or, um, you know, totally Jesus, pray in faith, uh, but sure, take a pill. So, I mean, you know, they would like, they would like admit that, but I mean, their position was very much you know, one side or the other. I'm like, guys, just all of it, just everything. So like this, I'm like, yes, I, I believe there is power in the name of Jesus, but I would also nuance it in a way that's not a magic totem. If someone also wanted to appeal to the same guy, but not use the name of Jesus, be like, creator of the universe, you know, Yahweh, Yeshua HaMashiach, like, you know, that guy to stay away from being accused of a magic totem by saying the name of Jesus. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's not power in and of ourselves, it's appealing to the one who has the power. Like, I think that's the whole thing. It's you're appealing to God. Like, just like when you're, you know, praying or worshiping anything else, you're not doing it for yourself. You're not doing anything of your own power. If I'm praying for something, I'm praying, you know, in the will of God, or I'm praying to God, like, you know, for a petition, just like, you know, Paul says, you know, make your petition known to, to who you got to say someone just because you make your petition known to the God, you know, the Christian God, that doesn't mean you're appealing to a magic totem. It means you're pointing out and identifying somebody um, who you're who you're directing your prayers and worship to. 
Um, so, I mean, if that's where we go with Magic Totem, then I guess, sure. Um, but I, I don't think um, that's what I mean, or the reasonable people would say that's a Magic Totem. But I get what you're saying, Chris. If you if you use it, like, I don't know, as a Magic Totem, then it is. But I, I think it's a little, not quite as far as you were saying. Hope that helps. I, that's I, all I, I've got. I think what would be interesting, Nate, if you'd be up for it, and Chris, if you'd be up for it, is... Probably not. Um, <laughs> I, no, I work for uh, I work with this guy, uh, John, Evangelist John Ramirez, former Satan worshiper, Christian. He has five of the top selling books on spiritual warfare. Um, so if Chris and him wanted to have a dialogue one day, like 10 a.m. in this room, I think you would get a really kind of wide sweeping and interesting conversation. I think it would be far more interesting for him to talk to Jim Osmond, who wrote Truth or Territory that directly takes on some of the concepts found in his books. Uh, I, I, I sorry, I missed, I, missed, I missed what you, what you said. I was, I was reading son's comment about how Nate's a little bratty kid. If I was, I probably would have blocked you like a year ago, but here you still are. Um, so yeah. I, I missed what you were actually saying. What were you saying? Oh, uh, I was saying that, um, no, not you. Uh, him, he was wanting some, he was wanting this past Satanist preacher to talk about something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and I'll, I'll post a couple of his book links. I mean, he's, you know, been on TBN Daystar and all this sort of stuff. Uh, his name's Evangelist John Ramirez. He has five of the best-selling books on spiritual warfare. And him and Chris would agree on a lot of things, but they'd have different views in terms of spiritual warfare, obviously. So I was suggesting, you know, maybe a dialogue one day in this room. Um, but uh, Chris came back with a suggestion of, of someone else would be a better fit. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Osmond wrote the book Truth or Territory. Um, I can email him and see if he would be willing to come on Clubhouse and do it on his YouTube channel. I mean, he's got tons of resources. He's got hours of YouTubes um, about this particular topic, and I don't. I doubt. So, CEO, I seriously doubt that that Mr. Ramirez would take on Jim Osmond. I think he would probably decline. Uh, back to our topic, another way to look at it is the Muslims ex uh, look at Jesus as a special prophet. Um, they acknowledge that he's going to re return and reign for 40 years, but they don't take him to be God. So in one way, you can believe in Jesus uh, as a powerful entity and whatever that entails, but you don't have to believe in him for your salvation, in which case you could be like a Muslim like appealing to God, Jesus, to cast out demons, raise the dead, and never accept him as your Lord and Savior. And, I, and it, was so, it was so crazy. I was just thinking, how could that possibly happen that there's people casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and Jesus says he never knew them? And I guess that, that, know, that not knowing is that they didn't have a relationship, even though they employed his name and his power. And that's like biblical right there so yeah they didn't want to keep in the commandments that's what he said at the end of that he said you're you're working iniquity that part right there even the muslims the muslims when they say he a prophet they really not wrong about when they say that because god the father even called him a prophet but far as the rest of their teachers they believe that christ is going to die when he come back after them 40 years too they say he only going to reign for 40 years and be killed so the muslims um they kind of follow Satan just like everybody else do. Christ said that those prophets are going to come in his name and deceive many. So who is the, who is the religion or who is the people who come in Christ's name 
and it, and they deceive people, and it's many of them, like like eighty thousand denominations. Who is that? Catholics. Catholics, Catholics don't have eighty thousand denominations. Calvinist I mean, they consider the Protestant. There's not eighty thousand denominations. That's a that's a. I mean, they they are they they argue on that. I agree with Chris on that. I'm just giving the like yeah. the roundabout. Some say seventy two, some say ninety six, some say eighty, and all that. It's many of them. That's the whole point. There's many denominations, but like what when we're talking about evangelicals, evangelicals agree on the gospel um, pretty much down the line, and they don't disagree on primary issues. They disagree on secondary issues. The reason that we have denominations True. is because secondary issues are just that. They're secondary. So denominations are actually ordained by God. Denominations ordained by God? Yeah, I ain't rocking with that one, bro, because they divide the Christian nope. them, them denominations don't even rock with other denominations. They're not even one faith. Yeah. Well, because yeah, they're one faith because they we disagree on secondary issues and so instead of fighting about secondary issues all the time we divide up because we have that ability and comfort in western society to have multiple different kinds of churches now in china where they're persecuted you have people of all types of secondary issues that disagree that are in one church and have perfect unity because they agree on the essentials that's all we're saying so the fact that there's a bunch of denominations simply means that we are blessed so that we don't have to spend time uh, sitting around arguing about Calvinism and Arminianism until the cows come. But we home. do anyway. <laughs> but we do anyway. But like, you know, yeah, because of those denominations, and like in the in the word, we don't have a commandment to affiliate with them. We have a commandment to follow Christ. Christ didn't tell right. us to affiliate with these and denominations. And people, who is that? Those people are right, following ahead. Christ. Well, those people are following Christ. Like they're following Christ they? in the expression of their faith that most fits with their theology. I'm not saying they're all right. I'm not saying there should be, you know, I think it's like 3000 denominations realistically. Um, but like, I'm not saying there should be 3000 denominations. I think everybody should agree with me and be a reformed Calvinist dispensationalist. So if, if people want to jump on board, we have cookies. I got you. So Our cookies are, we have angel food Chris cake. Says, Hang on, there's been two claims of cookies now. Chris, no, I switched mine. We have angel food cake. Chris can have devil's food cookies and say how that's Christian, but we Wait. have angel food cake. Chris, can Chris, I jump on your wagon? Chris is saying that division in church is ordained by God. Yep. Which would just takes that to be God is not an author of confusion. And I guess the admonishment that Christians were divided and that Satan doesn't have a divided kingdom. From Jesus is like contradicting the will of God. He wants us to be fine. No, once again, you're just burning down straw men. Again, this is why it's frustrating to talk to you, Concrete. I didn't say any of those things. What you're doing is burning down straw men. What I said is Christians all agree on the essential doctrines of the historic Christian faith. Non-Christians, no, it is true. Because not by no, it's not, bro. She's right. It's not true. The Christians all don't agree. Some Christians yes, know Jesus is the Son. They don't believe He God. Half the Christians, All Christians don't believe But they're not, by definition, they're not Christian. So, like, yeah, they're, if they're, you do not believe that Jesus is God, you, by definition, are not a Christian. If you're telling me, end of story. If you're quantifying yourself as Christian, bitch, you got issues already. I'm sorry. There's questions needing to be asked right off the bat. So on one hand, I, I, I don't know. I'm interested. 
But well, hang on, real fast. There's <laughs> it's not a defeater. Like Glenn, it, it's not. A, there's not a defeater for what Chris is saying, but it doesn't need to be. Like he's basically positing, like you know, if you believe the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, repent and believe by faith alone, uh, by grace, you know, through faith you're saved. Like the very, very essentials of what it means that that we believe that he's positing that makes a Christian. Then everyone who believes that is a Christian, and they can disagree about you know demon possession or stuff like that. But as long as they they believe that narrow scope that Chris is saying, what I mean by Christian is this. Everyone who believes this is Christian. Everyone who does not is not a Christian. Well, then he's saying, okay, well, everyone who is truly a Christian will believe this. And if you don't believe this, then you're not truly a Christian. Like, there's no way to be a defeater, but there doesn't need to be because this is his definition of it. I mean, that, that's it as a Christian. Um, uh, what? As a Christian, you're already innately defeated. Because, because, you, because you said, I'm a Christian. You might as well have said, I, I'm sending my soul to hell right here and now. This second. Christianity, Christianity is such a cop-out. It is it, it is such a it, it is such a way to put responsibility on something, someone else, rather than taking it and saying, you know what? I have the responsibility and now I can actually do something with that. The the main fundamental foundation of Christianity started as a metaphysical interpersonal story of humanity and our projection of experience, okay? And then it turned into this literal thing that happened in a history book that should be recounted as factual evidence. Fuck off. That's not factual nor evidence. Okay, name? so so I I mean I listened to that. It was very hard to listen to, but I mean that's like the tw the second time you swore. I mean, don't do that. And I know I know you've been here before, so you know better. So don't do that. No one wants to hear it. So try again another day. But um, yeah, Chris, do you want to respond to that, or should we just ignore that? I mean, I'm just gonna ignore it. There's nothing to respond to. And we got, and we got historical proof that all this stuff happened, man. Like that's, the Bible tell you to prove all things. If you want to learn the truth or learn what happened back then, you can start with his brother James. They left him in history. Even the historians who don't even follow Christ admit that he was a real man. So when people say that he didn't exist and all that stuff didn't happen, that's I, I don't I don't really debate with people like that or have them conversations because there's too much evidence to prove otherwise. I know the atheists. Mm -hmm. Well. Don't lump us all together. Um, not so you, I, Michael. I Michael, I'm sorry, Mike. I forgot Michael's on here. Mike, you are not you, brother. Not all atheists is like that. I, I apologize. I yeah, I, I do. So while while I accept, you know, I, I used to be so I, I used to be a mythicist. Um, and, you know, but I did uh, I've done a good amount of reading. And I don't think there's much debate anymore. Well, I mean, there are still people who are mythicists. Um, I personally don't think there's much debate anymore over whether or not he was a historical figure. But that it, you know, the, the caveat I would insert there is that that in no way speaks to any kind of divinity, right? Um, you know, pe people can people can exist. That doesn't make them anything else than just existent people. And, but, you know, I do want to respond to what the person said earlier. Um, about how it's a cop out, and you know you don't want to take responsibility. That's like completely just missing the whole the whole thing. It doesn't matter if you if you is he are they still here? Probably not. Anyways, it doesn't even matter if you believe it or not. What's true is true. So it doesn't matter if someone's like, oh, it's a cop out. I can't take responsibility. I can't take responsibility. That's so very loud. Oh my gosh. 
It's not like, oh, I can't take responsibility for my own actions. It's such a cop-out. If it's true, it's true, and it doesn't matter if you can cope or not. So, like, you know, if Jesus is like, hey, go ahead, stay muted, bro. That's a ton of noise. If Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to take the sins of the world, and if you're one of the whosoevers can repent and believe the gospel, then it doesn't matter how you deal with your feelings. This is true. This is happening. So I'm doing this. So regardless of your feelings, I mean, that's like what facts don't care about your feelings. Um, let's like modify that for theology or maybe we don't need to like if it's a fact, it's a fact. So like whether you can cope or not, um, you know, I quite I, I, I'm fine taking responsibility for the things I say and do. But in this in this. Glenn, I don't know if this is an accident or what, but it keeps you keep unmuting. So I'm just going to move you down because I'm losing my train of thought. But. Uh, let's see, can I bring the train back on? I was almost done. Anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I'm fine taking responsibility for the things I say and do, but in the spiritual eternal sense, like, I believe God's like, hey, spiritually, you're dead. You need me to make you spiritually alive, so I will pay for your sin. Like, that has nothing to do with taking responsibility. If I say something stupid, I need to own that, and I need to go to the person and be like, oh, sorry, I, I you know, said something stupid, or if I did something stupid. That has nothing to do with not taking taking responsibility for yourself. It has nothing to do with coping as a cop-out. This is in a spiritual sense. So spiritually, sure, Jesus wants to pay the price. If this is how it is, that's how it is. If I do something dumb in this natural world, I'm going to have to take responsibility. The police officer is not going to be like, oh, you put your trust in Jesus to pay the price? Okay, you don't have to cope. You don't have to deal with it. Uh, no, you have to deal and cope uh, very much and take responsibility. So that's what I would have said. Uh... Anyone else? I just had a second to think about that one to share. Uh, Marquise, are you speaking? No, I'm on a bus. I, I can't talk at the moment. Ah. See you. Did my voice just put everyone to sleep? Yvette. I can't think of anything to say. <laughs> Father Chris. I mean, you know, I can say stuff, I guess. What, what, what do we want to talk about? Uh, how Steph should be here now with her amazing survey. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the whole thing with... Um, and and I appreciate the the offer CEO about you know talking to the dude. Um, you know, I would say that if we got Jim Osmond to talk to him, it would be much better. But I seriously doubt he would. He would have everything to lose and nothing to gain by having that conversation. And it would probably be pretty. Probably wouldn't be real great for him to have that conversation. And and you're being his marketing manager, <laughs> and it would. Yeah, like, what really is uh, so so what what why why do you say that just out of curiosity? Because it's generally the case that people in the what's called the new apostolic reformation will not engage with people from the reformed side. They just won't engage because they just they've they've lost so many so many of these exchanges that they just know not to speak to us. And can you, can you type the guy's name in the chat? Yeah, sure. 
Thanks. Hey, did you say you're his marketing manager? Is that the connection? I'm his brand manager, yes. Oh, well, yeah, Chris means it wouldn't be good for you to be involved because Chris will be rude and insulting, and then the guy will get mad at you for hooking you up. Well, and there, we'll fire well you. yeah, there would have to be some brown <laughs> rules. No, no, no. I wouldn't be rude and insulting. Yeah, there would have to be some brown rules. Of course, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, was I wouldn't be rude mostly and insulting. I would kind just of say, kidding. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I would just say, like, Dr. Osmond, I mean, he has written a book on this subject You're that literally idiot. takes apart <laughs> bit by bit Wait, the Chris, theology you... that this guy advocates. Chris, are you saying you saved the rudeness and insults for me? Yes, Connor. Thank you. It's the least I can do. <laughs> well. Hey, John, how's it going? You feel like speaking? Yeah, let me send out some invites. Anyone have questions or comments, uh, type them in chat or jump up on stage. That'd be super great. Da, da, da. Nice to see you, Lou. Hello, Victoria. Jamesy. Welcome, Jamesy. Let me send some invites to people not following. Yeah, so so Marquis would agree with me that denominations are not a bad thing or a good thing because it keeps people from arguing about secondary issues. So, just as I said. Yeah, helper through different sects of Judaism before Christ. Sects mean nothing as long as the gospel stays the same. Jehovah's Witnesses have a false gospel. And that's why they falsely teach their false translation. I agree with all of that. Hello, Mr. Sheep. What's up? Hello, guys. I'm just listening. I'm in the store right now, but... Uh, you cut up a little bit. I heard you're in a store, though. So, yeah, if you get out and want to speak, please do. Yes, sir. Hold on. Thank you. All right, Michael, not to make you uh, overuse your brain on your day off, but um, any other things uh, going on in your life that are worthy of talking about? It's interesting. I was thinking about, I was debating whether or not to, to, to mention this. You said something very interesting uh, a, a few minutes ago, talking about people using Jesus, as, you know, like using Jesus, I think you said Jesus as a coping mechanism. Um, and I think that, uh, to kind of tail it back to what we were talking about before, I think there are people that do that. Um, and, and I guess this speaks to the rather, um, I don't remember who she was, but who came up here kind of dropping F-bombs and stuff. And so you, 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 uh, you invited her not to speak anymore. Um, it, I don't think using, and again, this kind of goes back to, you know, kind of tying it to my, my professional life. Um, so like with, with things like, you know, like therapy in general, right? Therapy, one of the things that therapy can teach you is coping mechanisms to help you deal, right? Um, if you are, and again, this, again, tailing it back to what we were talking about before. So if you are engaged in, you know, some type of therapeutic relationship, medication, possibly maybe if needed, right? As prescribed. Um, and if 
spirituality, whatever form that takes, whether it be Christianity or otherwise, helps you to deal with whatever it is. Um, that could very easily be labeled a coping mechanism. And I don't see the harm in that. Um, because again, like if the end result is, is a person being better, right? Like I said before, I don't care what gets you better. If, and I think it's, but so the hard part is that coping mechanisms sound, there, there can be a lot of baggage attached to those, right? Um, and, and this is something that's been tossed around actually somewhat lately in, uh, in Clubhouse. I've heard people saying, oh, you know, that's just a cope. That's just a cope. I'm like, why? I, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing the problem with people using whatever helps them to get through as being a negative thing, right? It's not for me. Um, it hasn't been for me for a long time. It used to be, isn't anymore. Um, so, you know, call it, call it what you will. But I, I also think it's somewhat um, kind of petty to just, um, you know, kind of dump all over people. I know, let me kind of, sorry, you invited me to talk, so I'm just going to blabble. Um, so there, there was one, so, uh, and actually concrete was in our, I think concrete was in the room where I said this before it was some time ago, but, um, I'll, I'll reference a, a reference, a, a story about when my dad died, which is, uh, 16 years ago ish, 16 years ago next month. Anyway. Um, when my dad died, my, uh, he, he died, uh, a Christian and my mom was Catholic, but, and they were married 49 years and they never let that stuff get in the way of their love for each other. Anyway, when my dad died, my mom was crushed, right? Her whole life for almost 50, for almost half a century, uh, raising five kids, all this other stuff. And because, but because they had varying, like some varying beliefs a little bit, um, she was having a hard time with his death. Like one of the reasons she was having a hard time with his death is wondering kind of what happened to him, right? Because she was convinced he was going somewhere, right? Uh, as a believer. And she, she came to me and she said, you know, she asked me about this and, and again, helping her cope. She said, you know, she asked me, if, you know, she said, you know, she said, I, because at this point I didn't believe anymore and I'd been an atheist for a, quite a while. Uh, and she knew this, but she asked me, she said, I know you don't believe this. She said, but because of what your, your dad believed, do you think he's in heaven? Now, secular atheist, Michael, in the back of my mind was like, no, of course not, mom. He, he's just dead. But that that was prob that probably would have been the most cruel thing I could have said to her. So to help her cope, I lied to her, and I said, "Yeah, mom, I think so," because that's exactly what she needed to hear to cope with that particular situation. And so I think um, dumping on people's coping mechanisms can be just a just a terrible thing to do. Then I'll get down off my soapbox now. Yeah, I think, I mean, and we, we will talk about that. And, and I mean, I think I, I agree with you, except, you know, I believe it is true. Um, I mean, unless they have other coping mechanisms. Um, but I, I think I conflated that. I, I think they, it was hard between their just rant to really get where they're coming from. But I, I think they may have said coping or I said coping. But I think their main point was cop out. 
like because of something about like personal responsibility, like you need a dead zombie Jesus on the cross to pay for your stuff that you can't own. I, I think that was where they were coming from in their rage was um, we can't take responsibility. So we need some, you know, someone to pay the price for us because we're irresponsible. I, I think that was their point. Uh, but yeah, as far as the coping stuff, which I am, I'm responsible for that. I said that, Oh, look, I'm taking responsibility. Um, anyways, but I, I think that's where they were uh, coming from. But as far as the coping, I, I mean, I, I would feel a responsibility. Like, you know, if they, um, which may be, I guess my lack of empathy, um, you know, all the stuff you said, but because I do have a very strong conviction one way that, you know, I believe Jesus is the right answer and the only answer and everything else is very, very bad. Um, in the most kind, gently, I mean, maybe if it doesn't matter, like, you know, if, it, if it's not appropriate at the time, I'm like, wonderful. You think their, you know, chakras are absorbing the energy of the universe in the sky? Sure, whatever. Um, knowing that, you know, I, I have a very strong religious conviction that that is not correct. And I would want that person to know. Um, so, you know, I, I would want them to find Jesus. I mean, it doesn't matter for the other person. They're already dead. Um, their, their time is up. Um, so my only, my only interest would be letting that person know at some point how I think they should, uh, you know, reevaluate. But uh, again, I mean, you know, time and place, right? I'm not going to like interrupt a funeral and be like, he's burning in hell. Um, yeah. So what you said with that little extra thing, Michael, <laughs> I would just feel responsible at some point in some way to let them know um, what I really think. And then if they brush it off or shrug it off, be like, okay, sure. As you were. Um, yeah. Omar, what's up? Are you speaking Omar? Hey, brother. God bless you. How y'all doing? Peace and trust to everybody. We're good. Anything on your mind today? I literally just got in the room. So I heard bits and pieces. Oh, okay. Uh, so I apologize. I'm kind of worked in a full of lift station. Um, so uh, if something comes up, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up. At the moment, I'm just kind of uh, listening. Omar, do you mind saying I am correct and uh, Chris is wrong? Do you mind saying that? <laughs> With no knowledge? Well, in that case, say I'm correct and everyone else is wrong. I'm going to say whatever floats your boat. Uh, or let God be true and every man be a liar. How about that? I agree to that. that uh, well, Chris, what do you think about what Michael said? Like, would you, uh, as a person who has a very strong belief in one direction, uh, what would you say to the grieving person who is using something? Um, I mean, in this case, if they're using Jesus to cope, well, wonderful. We think that's the right answer anyway. But something other than Jesus to cope. How would you uh, address that? I mean, Calvinists are accused of being very unempathetic, so now's your chance to shine. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the shower, so I'm not going to answer. Oh, that's unsettling. Um, all right, Michael. Well, yeah, want to follow up on that? What? Uh, I, I don't know. Or anything else? Well, no, Chris just, to... provoked, just, Chris just provoked an alarming visual in my head. I'm going to need some brain bleach now. Did he cause you to sin? <laughs> no, he doesn't have that kind of power. But um, I and Chris don't fall in the shower. Yeah, laughing. Do you have um, the adhesive rubber duckies? Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it, it's yeah, it's it, it. I think the whole thing is is very interesting, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure what else to say. Well, I, like I said, so I would say 
Nate, it's easier for us to kind of say something our way than it is for Michael to say something his way. Because, like, I've had, you know, a few atheists that they lost somebody and, you know, say consoling things. And then I can even say I'm praying for them. And a lot of them will actually like that and feel comfortable with it in that moment, right? They're kind of typical objections are lessened a bit because they know that, like, I'm trying to express empathy in a way that I best know how to. And a lot of them find that as comforting. Well, yeah. And when somebody, when, when, a, when a believer of any faith tradition tells me that they're praying for me, I will typically thank them. And the reason I do that is because, not because I think it's efficacious in any way, shape or form, but because I know what it means to a believer to take time out of their devotion to include me and and I appreciate that. Like like, thank you for thinking of me enough to do something like that. The, the, and I'll I would do that any day of the week. Um, so, and I've I've never had a problem doing that. Um, the uh, you know like because because my parents were both um, believers when they died. You know both of the services and stuff like that were held in churches, right? And I was able to. Walk, I did have to line my shoes in tinfoil in order to walk through the door. But um, it, it was like it, it was fine. You know they. They were, and I will say this, there was, there's always been a part of me that is a little bit envious and I'll be careful how to, how to explain myself. Like I'm not able to take solace when somebody says, oh, you know, they've uh, gone to a better place, which actually I think is a bad thing to say to someone, but um, gone to a better place or they're home now i've heard somebody say you know they've gone home so to speak um i've never been able to take solace in those types of things and i'm envious of the people who can right i have to go through a different grieving process because to me the person is gone like i i am a i am a firm belief you know shock obviously you know um opposite to pretty much everybody listening to this i think uh you know that when it you know when when the, when it's lights out that's it everything i am will cease to be forever and so I have to deal with that grief a different way, that the person is just gone, right, in, in my eyes. So I think that um, – and that's a, that can be another way, right, another kind of coping mechanism that I am you – know, that I have no problem admitting that I'm envious of, people who have the capacity to, to believe what I don't have the capacity to believe. Man, and then he gets on the phone, I tell you. <laughs> I appreciate your comment. You know, I was talking to someone. Um, don't want to don't want to name them. Maybe you can figure it out because you know they're not here. But um, they were they were Jewish, and they actually because you know I told them I'm like, well, look, if a Jewish person wants to pray for me, then I'll be like, well, you know, we totally disagree, and you know, I don't think your prayers are really going to have effect. But I know what that means to you, just like what you said. So I'm like, I really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, I'm like, do you not feel the same way? And they're like, no. Because for someone to say, I'll pray for you and their religion, they're basically telling me that everything I believe is wrong. I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, we're just being cordial about it. I'm like, you know, if I say I'm going to pray for you, I know you're thinking that, you know, I'm all wrong and my prayers don't mean jack. But I mean, you know, 
that's how you interact nicely with people. Well, yeah, I um, mean, yeah. Kind but, of but they're like, no, I really don't want them to pray for me because it's so offensive. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's your choice. I haven't really heard that too often, though. Well, yeah, and, and, you, and you don't have the, you know, you, you, can, you can't control what other people say and do, right, in those instances. Um, you know, if they go into their prayer closet or whatever they, they do, right, they're, they're going to do their thing, and there's nothing you can do about it anyway. But, yeah, like, the kindness goes a long way, right? Like, you know, so um, I, I remember I, I had an interaction with somebody once, and it, this was a little, it was, a, it was the, the saltier side of me came out. Um, it, was, it was actually... Uh, in my wife's former uh, workplace, she I I, I went to the I went to her office because we were going to a a, a baseball game that evening, and I'm like I'll come and meet you. Okay, cool. So I went down there, met her at the office, and uh, she had a, a new boss, a new CEO of the organization, had taken over not too long ago, and he grew up in the same town that I did. And so she's like, oh, you know, I'll introduce you. You guys can, you know, can reminisce about Scar the, the little town called Scarborough, just east of Toronto. Okay, fine. So we're, you know, we're chatting a little bit. Hey, how are you? And, uh, and he, uh, he, you know, he's like, uh, oh, you grew up in Scarborough. Well, you know, what school did you go to? I told him. He's like, oh, you know, I went to this, this other one. And I was, you know, went to Catholic school. Um, and uh, he, you know, he saw... Um, I had, uh, I was wearing my, my Blue Jays jersey, but I hadn't done it up and it was open and I had one of my atheist themed t-shirts on, which is not an uncommon thing for me to wear. Um, and he's like, was it Ned T? Oh, he's like, and, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm an atheist. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you know, don't worry about that stuff. I'll pray for you. And there was like six or seven people standing around, a couple of them chuckling. And, I'm, and, and I just like you, yeah, it's like I, in my head, it's like you, you know, insert expletive here. And I said, that's okay, man. I'll think for you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and everybody went silent. And then, and then my wife perked up and said, well, I'll clean out my desk now. Uh, you know, laughingly, of course. And yeah, he, the CEO ended up moving on and she's, you know, advanced, but whatever. Um, it, it was all just kind of very funny, but that wasn't a particularly kind thing for me to say. I didn't take his statement as particularly kind either. And I'll have to say that, you know, kindness can go a long way and the words you choose matter. I, I really believe that. I mean, all I can say is bless your heart. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we, I mean, I guess we can claim victory. We're the, we're the longest survivors. Oh, there's Chris to chime in now. Hey, uh, how, was your, how was your shower? Uh, it's quick. Uh, what's up? Were you just letting us know you're back, or did you have words of wisdom? Well, I, so I was going to say, what have any of you guys ever been, I'm sure you have, have you ever been to a funeral where the people who are the family are devout Christians, but the person who has passed on was not a Christian? Yes. Right. And so what pastors will do, yes. at least my experience is that they will, they won't sugarcoat it. They're not going to say, Hey, this person's in heaven. They're going to be like, look, you know, and, and I've heard funerals done this way. Hey, you know, let's give you the gospel because this guy over here, the one in the box decided that he didn't need the gospel. Let's talk to you about why you do. And they use it as an opportunity to, you know, to hit the gospel home in a very poignant way. And I think that's what most Christian, evangelical Christian pastors do. 
Well, I mean, regardless of, you know, if the guy in the box was not a Christian, I think, I mean, you know, most, yeah, most of the funerals that have had Christians like a pastor, yeah, it's usually, you know, a, a call to kind of, you know, sober up, recognize your mortality, and be like, look, we really believe this. For that guy, his time is now. Um, so, yeah, get your stuff together. Like, you know, we don't just say this because it's, it makes us super popular, obviously, or makes us super wealthy. Like, we really believe this. So, you know, what better time than now to, you know, get your stuff in order? Good morning. And to Michael's point, like, if I had family members that were devout, I don't know, whatever, Jehovah's Witnesses, I wouldn't sugarcoat it with them either. Um, you know, like, let's say my whatever, my aunt is a, devout, you know, is a devout Jehovah's Witness, and my uncle was, and this is a fictional, but, you know, and he passes, and my aunt is crying, and like, well, do you think he's in, you know, the 144,000, or whatever their, <laughs> you know, whatever their fun, you know, nonsense is, you know, I would use that as an opportunity to share the gospel with her, and be like, well, I don't think so, because here's why, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad shattering her coping mechanism at that point because it's not about cope. It's about truth. See, that, uh, that's James, really, yeah, that, that's really interesting. But, oh yeah, Jamesy go. And then I'll, Chris, I'll correct you on your 144,000. Um, <laughs> I, I, Chris, just a quick note. I, I talked to John and he, he said he, he, he's going to look into the person I texted to him. He said, but he'll probably be up for the Pepsi challenge is what he said. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I'll send an email to um, to John, uh, Jim Osmond today, and uh, you know, if you can, can you send me some? You send me the guy's website, right? Oh, I'll send it. Can to you back channel it to right, me? right now? And 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 wait to send him the email because John said he's going to look at his book and circle back. So give me oh, gotcha. like. Okay. Uh, Jay Z. Just kidding. Now you're up. Yeah. So one of the things that I feel like is kind of missing from this conversation, and I'm going to get in front of it and say, I realize people frequently uh, misuse this, but like cope philosophy is a thing. There, There's like a, a category of philosophies that are cope philosophies. And to the extent that theology can be a philosophy, describing religion as death anxiety seems to be like, a pretty reasonable explanation so like when somebody says like well that's just a cope what they're really saying is you're not actually providing a reason you're just providing like the utility there is definitely one want to there's definitely uh, well there's yeah no james is right there's definitely a formal definition of cope That's interesting. And I actually wasn't, I'm not a philosopher. I wasn't aware of that. So I, I appreciate that because when people have, when people have, I've heard people say that, um, I've always looked at that with a negative connotation. I wasn't aware of that actually. Um, so thanks. But, uh, uh Chris, Joe, uh, JWs don't think 144,000 people are going to heaven. They believe that, uh, there's an anointed class and that's the reason it's 144,000 is it's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel that when, uh, as it says in the book of Revelation, a witness shall be made to all the inhabited nations and then the end will come. When that end comes, um, Jesus comes back, everything's restored to a paradise earth. Um, there's a whole resurrection, all that other stuff. And the 144,000, uh, one of whom I have met, I have met one of the, who claimed to be the anointed class. 
uh, will go to heaven and serve in heaven as an angel forever with God. So that's where the 144,000 comes from. Right, because they, they think about like the celestial earth or whatever, you know, that the earth is redeemed and that everybody lives in a new earth paradise that is a believer from JW. Yeah, Doesn't yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There's more than 144,000 of them. Yeah, well, no, yeah. no. So they changed it. Yeah, so there's yeah, so there's the anointed class of the hundred and forty four thousand, but there's potentially millions upon millions upon millions upon millions who will have this resurrection. And you know, if they you know accepted the quote unquote truth, um, because that's what uh, if if you ever ask, um, if you ever uh, like engage with a, a witness, and and you'll hear witnesses talking to one another, one of the things they'll say is, oh, you know how you know how long has so and so been in the truth because that's what they think they have. Um, and they call it that very specifically. So there'll be millions upon millions of millions who are in the truth, who will have this resurrection, and their bodies will be perfectly restored, and they will live forever on a paradise earth. Yep. Um, Alrighty. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely, but I definitely would not play into the delusion of my JW aunt my fictional JW and I don't have an, an AJW aunt, but my fiction for this particular example for my fictional JW aunt, I would not play into her delusion. I would not lie to her. Because there's implications of playing into people's delusions that far outweigh like, you know, grieving people. There's, you know, again, I don't want to start a dumpster fire, but like, what do you do about people's personal pronouns? You know, are you playing into their, you know, particular ideas and ideals, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what is compassion? What is not? What is truth? What is not? Well, there, there's two ways you could respond for us, right? So you could have a more kind of neutral response, which isn't like feeding into it, but isn't blasting it. Or you can lean in hard and go against them. Which route would you take? I mean, it depends on the situation, you know, like, uh, there are certain individuals on here. I'm just not going to go out of my way to antagonize them. Unlike concrete, I will go out of my way to antagonize <laughs> you concrete. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just certain individuals. I'm not going to go out of my way to antagonize. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to tell them the truth. It just means that I'm going to approach it in a different manner. Chris, how can we get you out of Calvinism that started in the 1600s, which is going to be a long, 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 long time after Jesus died and after the Bible was written and canonized. And here we were not knowing the truth for hundreds of years. Wow. Well, so first of all, the premise is false. Um, we get Calvinism from the scripture, not from John Calvin. Um, second of all, Augustine is one of the ones who formalized a lot of the ideas of Calvinism. And so, you know, we call it Calvinism because we had a very famous popular theologian uh, in the 16th century that codified all of these things. And then we had the Council of Dort, I'm sorry, the Synod of Dort, which kind of answered the five, um, you know, propositions of Arminianism. And so those 
answers to the five propositions of Arminianism became known as the five points of Calvinism, even though Calvin was dead when they were formulated. So, you know. Yeah, the premise is not false because, again, it's the truth of God's nature as espoused by Calvinism that was not established until literally hundreds and hundreds of years later. Well, that's and your millions and millions and that's millions and millions. Opinion. I'm almost done. Millions and millions of Christians who came and went. So imagine Jesus yeah. came to give us the truth, but it wasn't until Calvin and Calvinism that we were able to get the truth. This is why it's frustrating to talk to you. You literally didn't hear a word that I said. I like repeated what you said. You, you said no, the premise you is false. And I, I said, said the premise your still premise remains. is false, and then you reasserted your premise without any evidence and went on to just restate your premise. I have the, the historical is, information. Who sorry, are you sorry just one sec. Is Nate, are you there? They're moderating uh, Yeah, there's yeah. there's there's some anti Semitism going on in the chat, just uh to let you Must Um I will check I will check that out. For the record, is Thank it you. I like is it like well yeah, I'll just read. How far back do I get to read? Sorry guys. Uh, yeah, carry on. Or feel free Ro Roquel to say anything else. Yeah, Chris, what you did was you said nah uh and then you just gave like extra nuance to the idea or the formulation of Calvinism. It doesn't in any way, Cunningham. Shape or form, doesn't in any way, shape, or form change my premise, which is Jesus came in the year. No, I rejected your premise. Your 33, premise is true. Or Jesus' word was established in the year 33. Um, later, ca uh, canonized in the Bible, however many years later that was. Concrete. When do you think Arminianism was established? I don't even know what Arminianism is, but thanks anyway. <laughs> and then... And that proves our point. You that, know yep, nothing you about won. the subject you're talking about. You won. About. You won, bro. Uh, a, a gotcha quiz question won you the debate. Congratulations. Yes. Anyway, yes, so like I was saying... Sorry, one second, bro. Because the majority of modern evangelical churches me. are following Arminianism, which was right. also made around that same exact time okay, period. you'll have your time to argue against it, bro. So the... Because you that is not even a refutation. Whatever my ignorance is about whatever concept you brought up. So everything you've been talking about so oh far? Oh my gosh, bro. Please stop. So again, whatever my ignorance is to whatever concept you brought up doesn't refute the idea that Calvinism came hundreds of years after the canonization of the Bible. No, it wasn't. After the life of Jesus was essentially Sorry, bro. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. You You're literally Why are you intellectually Why are you being rude? It's like, you ever heard the phrase, hit dogs holler? If you weren't being hit, then don't say you anything. Have, wait, wait, no. have you ever heard the phrase, you can't win an argument against a stupid person because they'll never okay. know that they lost? Personal Whoa. insults aside, Whoa. can you just let me finish my position? Thank you. So again, my position is, Jesus came in the year zero. His word was established in the year 33. The Bible was canonized, I think, in the year 300. 
The year 1600, we have John Calvinism, John Calvin, which means we have 1300 years between the canonization of the Bible, the establishment of this doctrine, Calvin and that's millions. Calvin's not 1600, bro. That's the most retarded Whatever thing I've ever heard. Whatever the dates are, are irrelevant. You're hyper-focused on this minutia because that's because where you Because you don't know what the focus. hell you're talking about. You're retarded. Right, so dude. I'll look it up. I'll look it up right now. Hold on. You call me way, retarded. Country, you call me stupid. Yes, because you are retarded, dude. And that just shows your spirit, right? That shows your that the love that Calvinism yeah, has brought to your Yeah, the love that heart. I have for the people patience, being theologically incorrect the patience and that Calvinism the patience that Calvinism has brought yeah, to your Yeah, I have heart, no patience for morons like you. Yeah, you are the okay, devil. Okay, hang bro. on. Let's reset a second. Let me moderate like a bunch of things at once. Okay, so anti-Semitism. I can't read this much stuff. Um, I guess it, I was asking earlier, is it anti-Semitic because it's your opinion or because it actually is? Like, you know, if it's something true, he's, I, I guess it was about like the Talmud or something. He was saying like if Gentiles read the Torah, they should be executed. I mean, I asked him to cite his sources, right? I mean, if it's true, it's true. Like it's not anti-Semitic. Or if he's like, you know, Jews rule the world, they want you, they're evil, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, you're typically anti-Semitic trope, then I get it. But I mean, if something is true and it's factually backed up, well, then true is true. So that's that's my that's my comment on that. Um, on concrete, um, I appreciate, I guess, your patience, but your, it sounds like you're in a food court or an airport. It is killing my ears, killing my ears. And then Chris and Bubs, yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit less morons and things like that could probably go a long way. All right, that's my moderation in a nutshell. Right. The, you'll well, get I mean, less Nate, morons with like, less false information out. Right. Oh, it'd we get like, stupid like, things all the time, and I don't think I right. usually call people morons. Well, but like, okay, so imagine somebody coming in here and being like, Christianity is actually just Horus, and, you know, goes on to just cite, like, a bunch of nonsense from, like, zero sources for, like, 20 minutes and goes unchallenged. I mean... You'd be like, this person is mentally ill or like something is wrong with them because they're like continuing to foster an argument that is complete nonsense. That's what Concrete was doing. Yeah, but I mean, you know, what, what is the thing, Michael, help me out, clinical psychologist, or you're not one, sorry, uh, whatever you said, whatever you are, um, you know, you're responsible for the things we say, not the things other people say or something like that. Well, yeah, you, 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 we, yeah we have we have no power to control the things that are said to us, we all have all the power in how we react to them. I mean, you know, people say stupid stuff all the time here. And, you know, I, I'm not a good example. I am not. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't usually call people, like, you know, terribly insulting things. I mean, like the person earlier that's like, you Christians, it's about cop-out. I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's tell you why you're wrong. But then they started cursing, so I had to move them. Anyway, just my helpful Christian brother in Christ feedback. Um, uh, who else? Name uh, the five points of Calvinism and explain to me what Calvinism means. If you have such a disagreement wow. with it, name me the actual doctrine itself. Oh, hang on. I was going to call on some new people came. Uh, well, this could go south. Yeah, between G and Milos. Um, Nate, can I just... Yeah. The problem is that he's not just saying what the sources say. He's drawing conclusions that are false intentionally. It's a common tactic that leads to violence. And I don't know, I don't know if you will understand that, but quoting, quoting sources out of context as though they were um, practices of Judaism today when you don't understand how those sources work 
it's it's not okay. So the reason why I quoted two sources, first of all, because it is true that the Talmud is a conversation, right? But the the passage in the Talmud that I showed it, that I cited is a uh, conclusion, and it's actually restated in the work of Rabbi Maimonides, right? Which is one of the most influential rabbis in history, right? Um, so whenever Rabbi Maimonides interacts with this, he Maimonides. restates it. I'm sorry if I pronounce it the, the way that I do. Whenever he restates it, it is a um, respected interpretation of this. So understanding this in the same way that Rabbi Maimonides did is not demonstrating some sort of acontextual reading of this. Instead, it demonstrates that the reading that I was presenting, that is just merely an exact quotation of his words here, is a reading of the Talmud that persisted for over a thousand years, right? Welcome, Harlequin. Oh, no, Nate. I'm not going to get you out of this one. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, Harlequin's Nate. not getting you out of this one. So concrete, answer what Calvinism means. Okay, well, hang on. Just I, I guess since I'm not getting out of this, my general position is free speech is great. If people start cursing like crazy or calling for violence, that's probably where you'll see Nate draw the line. Um, if I have to decipher between what is true facts versus like uh, versus code messages or like dog whistles, um, I'm probably going to let it fly and not address it because, you know, I don't want to deal with that. So if it gets like, I don't know, I guess you'll know where Nate's subjective level is if it's reached, but that's kind of my general things. If it's like, I don't know, violence or talking about how people are going to make everyone slaves under their feet, which actually we let that go on with. Like when Hebrews like tell us, I mean, we actually usually let that conversation go on and be told how we're going to be made slaves. So maybe that's a bad one, but like violence, cursing, stuff like that. That's probably where I'll like censor people. If it's like stuff that I have to decipher, like is it a coded message that's a calling for violence or something like that? Um, I'm probably going to let it go just because more speech is better usually. That's that's my position. Yeah, no so, problem. Uh, now, Harlequin, since you have not got me out of anything, would you like to say anything else? Or you can hear Bubby and Concrete fight again. Honestly, like I'm just shocked I'm up at this time of the morning. Well, we like to hear that too. Yeah, I'm down. Let's uh, let's throw in some red meat and let's just watch them kill each other. Yeah. What's the five no, no, points no. of Calvinism, Concrete? What's yeah, the five I don't know. I don't know. I could look it up. I'm sure. But um. So you don't even know the yeah, doctrine. I don't, no, I didn't. I did not, I did not measure, memorize your doctrine. But I do know that it's contradictory. You have no clue about the doctrine that Can you disagree stop with. Over talking, you speak out bro. so vehemently about it. Yo, you're triggered. You know why? Cause you because you know you you're retarded, you dude. You hold to a bankrupt system, obviously. You have a bankrupt um, so mind. I'm almost done, bro. I know. I'm dumb. I got it. So uh, the point very simply is your your doctrine it was established in the 1500s, not the 1600s. And what is Ooh, that my doctrine? Bad. My bad. And what is and that guess doctrine? what? That's still going to be hundreds of years after the what ca is canonization. That that's still going to be hundreds of years after the canonization of the if Bible. If you don't know that's the doctrine, still gonna be hundreds of you don't years. know the doctrine. That's still going to be hundreds of years after the establishment no, of Jesus Christ. No, because if Christ, you were to actually know what that's the doctrine still was, be hundreds of years. Augustinianism pro pro is me. essentially just proto-Calvin. You're just out of control, bro. No, but none of that is going to change the, of your the mouth, bankruptcy. Like accept it. That's still not going to change the bankruptcy of your belief system. The and it's not going to change it. the fact that Augustinianism that was essentially just proto-Calvinism. 
that is predicated on interpretations of the Bible that are antithetical to the to the Bible and other passages. You can't say that so it's you antithetical when you don't know what the doctrine is. You have. Oh, look, we have a new person. Welcome, service. Yeah. What's your question? Hey, peace, you guys. I just came up to uh, ask Concrete why is he the same question with Bubby? Why in the heck are you speaking about Calvinists and you don't even know the doctrine? You don't, you can't do that. It's antithetical to the Bible, but I don't know what it's antithetical to the doctrine. I don't know. I didn't memorize it, but I have heard it defended uh, several times. I've heard. The scriptures that you guys but appeal you to, and also, sorry, sorry, I'm I'm getting all the rudeness from the people who have the truth, and it's almost like if you because had the truth, you wouldn't be so rude. By you could like easily, you. you could easily just wait till I'm done, show a little civility, show a little of that Christian love that you I have, don't have the have truth love of. For I know, bro. I'm I'm okay with all of your keeping me out of heaven and all of your stone throwing. Remember when the woman was caught in adultery? You're no different than yes, her or right, them and that want to no throw stones. Who have you want to? I got it, bro. I got it. You have a very childish way of approaching this. I don't know why Nate is like letting you do that, but that's fine. Because I haven't but, crossed um, the line the, that the, he said. You're over talking incessantly. Now. Concrete is, has the most awful audio I've ever heard, and Bubby is being incredibly obnoxious, but no one else has anything better to talk about, so I'm mm -hmm. suffering through Just this. tell Bobby not Can to I? be obnoxious. I can't control the background. Then represent his name correctly. Yes, Kyoto. Kyoto. I have something Kyoto. better. Oh, Kyoto and then Abba. I heard Kyoto first. Yeah, and then we're going straight to Abba. Kyoto, what's, what's up? Oh, I was just going to ask, um, maybe just to help the conversation, uh, make concrete. Maybe you didn't like memorize the the like tulip or something. But when you say like Calvinism is antithetical to the Bible, like what do you mean? Oh yeah, like, what thank concept you. Are you Great. That, that, oh, well, hey, we're gonna. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Hold on. I, I thought Kyoto was going somewhere else. Uh, yes, Abba, please. You were hoping we'll he was going somewhere else. Yes, we'll come back to this conversation only if we have to. Uh, yes, Abba, what's up? <laughs> I just wanted. To, I know G left, but I just wanted to say. Um, if the guy can't even pronounce the name of the Jewish scholar correctly, he shouldn't be teaching anything about Judaism. I'm really sorry. Okay? And, if Milos, and, I'm, and I'm really happy to hang around, right, if Milos wants to bring in other Jewish sources. And we can learn them together the way that Jews do if he needs help understanding how this stuff works. But simply to say there's a passage in the Talmud and it gets encoded in the Rambam in this way is to really ignore how these things work and interact with each other. And it shows that he doesn't, um, that the agenda of using these Jewish texts is something quite else. And let me, I'll just come to a landing with this. You cannot learn Jewish tradition from non-Jews. Really sorry to break it to y'all, but <clears throat> if you're gonna teach Judaism, you gotta go to rabbis and Jews. So I'm happy to stay um, and hang out for a while. And any text or Jewish text that Milos comes up with or anybody else, I'm happy to walk you through it so that you can have a Jewish understanding and not misuse these texts from a place of ignorance. Uh, so because, to do, because to do otherwise, because to do otherwise is not a free speech issue. It's actually, um, it's a cultural appropriation and it is tactics. It is a tactic that causes harm and danger to Jewish bodies and Jewish lives. Uh, I so just want to say that. Uh, hang, hang, oh. hang on, hang on, me, real fast. Uh, I guess the only pushback I'd say is where you said you cannot I mean, this may be dumbed down, but I mean, you know, if you directly told me the answer to a question and I repeated that verbatim, 
then I mean, I guess I would be a Gentile teaching, but I'm really parroting. So maybe that's not what you meant, but just to say, you know, we, no. we can parrot stuff. Um, but but no, uh, Rabbi, if you so quote I guess... it in my name, what I'm saying, if you quote me in by name and say, this is what I heard from a rabbi, okay, but I'm not going to accept Milos, um, you know, having read some academic book and that he thinks he knows how Jewish tradition works. I'm okay, really well, sorry. The... Okay, well, the thing I really wanted to say about about that was uh, apparently the the thing was he was saying that somewhere in I don't know the Talmud or wherever he was saying um, there was a passage that said Jews needed to kill Gentiles who read the Torah. So I guess my question to you is, forgetting all the traditional all the other stuff, uh, Abba, do you want to kill me for reading the Torah? No, I don't. And then you say no, and then I no. say great. Let's move on. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. Right, exactly. And that's what's the anti-Semitism about it, is because when somebody says, hey, this is what the Jews think, they're terrible, and this is why, and this is why, that's the anti-Semitic part. Not pointing out that these texts exist, but then drawing conclusions about that. What? What is the, well, wait, wait, that that is the apply to Jewish people being anti-Christian for misinterpreting what we say about the Bible 90% of the time? So can yeah, I so say that, I think that so before we proceed thing, real quick, if y'all don't mind. Yeah, Milos was going to uh, – we may as well let Milos speak for himself. Yeah, Milos and Abba chat for a second. Right. So um, Abba here is a person that I've interacted with before, um, and um, in, uh, I think that this might add context to his view here. He actually believes that your Jewishness is dependent on the view that you take about Zionism. Right. Um, he no, rejects the Jewishness. No, I don't. No, no, no. No, I don't. Abba, I can provide the recording no. of you doing this. Right? I don't. Milos, but let's, but let's right. hang on a second. So stop, 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 stop. In stop, particular, stop. with, Nate, I think Nate, it was Nate, Benjamin Nate, Summer. Nate, somebody. I believe Milo. it was. I just Milo. talked to Ben Summer yesterday. I was interrupted, stop friend. Stop. Milo. Excuse me. I, this is I, a. I, no. Whoa. Oh, 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 hold on. Uh, unless in the crazy. Like, I mean, I thought it was reasonable for him to, like, interrupt if he was, like, asking for clarification. I was going to ask why or what. But, I mean, bro, also, like, that may be the most insane rant I've ever heard. Like, what is going on here? Can everyone just dial it back a bit? Yeah, listen, what, Nate, what Milos is going to say is that I made a comment when he brought up Boyarin, Daniel Boyarin, in some other room um, a long time ago, right, that has nothing actually to do with anything, and he is using it to direct this to another place. Milos, I saw Ben Summer Sunday night, and I just, and I talked to him face to face, right? And I said to him the following thing. You know, I don't know if you know this, you might be horrified to learn, but you know who really loves to quote you is Christian apologists. And he laughed and he said, yeah, I had a feeling that was gonna happen when I wrote my latest book. And he said to me that this, one thing that you can say, he said explicitly, yeah, well, they don't really understand my scholarship. And the reason they don't understand my scholarship is because all of my scholarship, says Summers, is based on the documentary hypothesis theory of multiple authorships of the Bible. And he suggested, when talking to folks like you, that I should ask, do you accept his premise of the multiple authorship theories of the Bible? And if you do, I think you've got some problems with your theology and if you don't, then that means you don't accept Summers' uh, conclusions. And that's from well, this his is own just, mouth. Yeah, this is just kind of a faulty understanding of academics in general, right? Now, what I would point to as to how uh, the JEPD hypothesis does not refute the, the work of Benjamin Summer being applicable, applicable to like uh, uh, establishing the ancientness of two powers theology, right, is the, the work of Michael Segal. His work particularly points out 
that the um, uh, two-power theology can be found in the most ancient uh, portions of the Torah, even after filtering it through modern views about the uh, uh, JPD hypothesis and other things like that. So that's really not relevant, right? Um, what we were talking about here is what you said is that I'm unqualified to make you statements are. about, well, please just, if you don't mind here, you are unqualified. Right. So the statement that you made is that is that non-Jews or whatever, me in particular, is unqualified to make statements about academic this, that, or the other, unless they're able to um, uh, read them in particular. And this is exactly what I did. As I pointed you out before, because you're Rabbi Maimon uh, 90s well, hang, words, hang on. You, you did if you don't mind real quick. Yeah, hang on. You did ask for moderation. So, I mean, he let you go oh, quite a while uninterrupted. Can we extend the same courtesy? You did ask for moderation. This is me trying. Right. Go ahead. So, so I provided the work of Rabbi Maimonides, or uh, Maimonides, I believe is the correct pronunciation, um, in a work where he explicitly seeks to restate um, like a perfect Judaic king kingdom, right? It's in the work Malachim Milkamot, and I'm, I know I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And in this, yes, he are. outlines the way that a Jewish kingdom would be ran, and so on and so forth, right? This is this is during what's, what's often called the the Jewish Golden Age um, in the Iberian Peninsula, and this is where um, Rabbi Maimonides was able to write extensively. Um, and, and so on and so forth. So I, I pointed this out to establish that this isn't some some bizarre fringe reading of the Talmud. Instead, it is a reading that survived for over a thousand years as is present in, in one of the most respected works of modern um, uh, rabbinic so, Judaism. So let me ask then you I pointed question. out as well so that this is hosted by Kabad.org, so so which is the official website of the Kabad so Lubavitcher so faction so of the Hidetic Orthodox Judaism. So let's well, go back I, and forth. I, I, I actually okay. had a question to ask the Christian. No, excuse me, please. Excuse me, please. Let's yeah, go back well, and forth. Well, I mean, you, you could be a little bit more. One second, please. One second. Guys, guys hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Hang, hang on. Everyone, hang on one second. Hang on one second. Um, real fast. I, I want to hear Tommy's question, but I'm going to run. So to show what a bad moderator I am, uh, Chris and Bubs, you guys want to moderate today? Or oh, done. Yeah. Do I, I am going to have to run. Okay, Bubs and Chris are moderators. Yeah, Tommy, real fast before I have to go. Can you ask your question? Because I'm curious. And then, yeah, Abba, you and my wife can go ahead. But I honestly have a headache. But Tommy, yeah. uh, what's up real fast? I just want to hear before I have to run. Yeah, my question was in pertains to the scripture. Uh, it pertains to Adam in Genesis 1 and 26. Oh, okay. Well, well we're in the middle of something. I'm going to let the moderator okay, we're the, we're, yeah, we're I, the I just wanted to hear the question. So, all right, take care, guys. <laughs> Continue, Milos, Milos, can you describe to me how... Uh, the Rambam functions in the broader scope of Jewish tradition in connecting the Talmud and other later halachic works. Can you describe that to me? Yeah, that's kind of a really big question. If I understand it, is, it you're yeah. asking me to, re to to state my understanding of how of where Rabbi Maimonides fits inside that tradition. Is that what you're asking me to do? Well, I'm I'm wondering how much you know about actually what Maimonides' project, two major projects were, and where they sit in the course of Jewish intellectual history, um, and how they do tell us various theologies and some and how they don't. In other words, do you know, for example, that Maimonides did not cite any of his sources in the Mishnah Torah? Are you aware of that? So I didn't know that off the top of my head, no. Okay, so that's kind of important, right? Because He's writing a, a, a law book, right? But he doesn't say where he derives his opinions from in the previous Jewish legal conversations. Now, this was seen as highly well, problematic 
So, so wait a second. Do you so understand that why that might be the case? Do you understand why, why? it's not necessary to, to cite the precedent within the system of, of Maimonides? Well, I know, I know why he stated explicitly in his introduction to the book why he didn't do that. Okay. Uh, was it because he considered the tradition to be a divinely um, inspired prerequisite for all Jews to accept? Um, that is not his reasoning in the introduction. No. Okay. Maybe you can provide it. Then. I, I think, no, I think he, he, he might believe such a thing, but he didn't write any of that explicitly, right? What he right. wrote, what he wrote about, and this is what you fail to understand. What he wrote about is the lack of Talmud study, of high-level Talmud study in the Golden Age in the Iberian Peninsula, and his lament about that, and how Jews, because of their lack of Talmud study, didn't really know how to live a proper Jewish life. So he um, revolutionized how Jewish legal thinking operates by his categorizing of all the different kinds of Jewish laws, his entirely comprehensive scope of Jewish laws, those that are applicable today and those are not applicable today. In other words, the one that you quoted about the law of kings is not an applicable law today. It's theoretical for some eventual future where there will be some kind of Jewish theocracy in law. In right, when there's a Jewish things. kingdom. That, that's what I was pointing out, right? That's, that's right, but it's I only said, theoretical. But it's only theoretical. Right? Exactly. And so right. what he says there is that this is the punishment that they should receive, they ought receive. But he recognized that since he was under uh, Islamic protection in the uh, golden... Um, um, uh, the golden age, the Jewish golden age in Spain, that he couldn't do that, right? But what's holding him from that no, end not, of no, executing right. any Gentile no, that reads no, the Torah sir. No, sir. is that there is no, not sir. a Jewish kingdom. I don't think you can say those. Th I don't think that's a um, a good way to say it. I think we can say the following. Okay, and here's where and here's where I think Dee's comment about you drawing conclusions and my comment about along the same lines, right, comes in. I think what we can more fairly say is. Rambam was trying to be comprehensive and exhaustive about all elements of Jewish law, all of them, with, without exception. So he wrote about the entire sacrificial system. He wrote about laws of Jewish politics, civil law, ritual law, all of it, right? There's nothing he left out, okay? What I don't think we can say confidently is if those laws were going, in the cases where all of those laws were to be applicable or not, whether he thinks they would be, you know, manifest, right, and sort of made live in the way that he explains. We don't know that, right? So what you can't say is, is that in Maimonides' time, if he was able to, he would have killed non-Jews. You can't say that. Well, that's first of all, really that's a, not that's, what I said, right? We, we understand. No, no, no. What I said is that in this uh, idealized Jewish kingdom that he's describing in this part of the Mishnah Torah, um, that that he said this ought be the laws there, right? And he's merely restating uh, the Talmud's view on this as well, right? So the Talmud and Maimonides both agree that there are basically these three categories that a non-Jewish population would be in, under or a, a Gentile population would would fall into in an idealized Jewish kingdom. First, the Gentiles that uh, follow the um, uh, uh, seven universal commandments, right? Second. Gentiles who uh, 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 convert to Judaism and then proceed to study the, the Torah. And then third, people that study the Torah and do not wish to follow the commandments. And he said that the people in this category should be executed. It's just a restatement of what the Talmud says. Okay. For the love of God. So what? You're pointing that out. And what do you want to right. make out of that? This is, so what do you want to make out of that? Guys. 
So, so yeah, so Milos, I think what, what Rabbi is trying to get at is why are we bringing this particular extremely minor point of theology from yeah, a theoretical it. standpoint up in the first place? Hold on, Milos, hold on. Is that what That's you're right. asking, Rabbi? Yes, in other words, I'm not going to deny that that law exists, and I'm not going to deny the passage from where Maimonides gets it. And I'm not going to deny that that was his theology. I am going to say things like there probably were other theologies. There probably were other passages in the Talmud that Maimonides chose to not codify for whatever his legal thinking and reasoning is. And I'm very positive that after Maimonides, lots of other people commented on his book and gave um, glosses and exceptions and all kinds of other things. Milos wants to say it's encoded in the Rambam and therefore all the Jews believe and this is what we should hate the Jews for because look, their biggest teacher in their book said that we should kill non-Jews. That, that is what's called religion, uh, hatred masking as religion because Milos, in his uh, theological view, can I have a chance here? cannot tolerate the fact that there are still Jews that exist who reject Jesus because he thinks the authentic Jewish tradition is to accept Jesus. And so his mission is to use all of those previous Jewish sources, not only to say that the Jews are wicked and hate non-Jews and Christians, but that that is a function of their not accepting Jesus. And I say, fuck off. Don't right, use so my tradition. Abba here, Abba here has correctly to... restated his Don't position before. He does believe to say that Christianity is thoroughly rooted in uh, pre-Christian Judaism is anti-Semitic. And this is his real point here. If we go back to the context of how this conversation started here, um, we'll find the comment here. Okay, thank you for that. Um, The the beginning comment was the statement that I responded to. It's not your tradition, friends. Get the fuck out of here. Okay, the statement that I was responding to is two statements. It says the difference stop, with Jews is that it. we stop don't you. pray for people to. Chris, can I please yo, speak uninterrupted? That's okay. Get Fuck. this guy. Get this guy. No, drop these f bombs. This is crazy. Okay, so the statement that I was responding to, if we're just going to kind of wrap this up real quick, is um, uh, someone made a statement, the difference with Jews is that we don't pray for people to find our religion. We don't pray for people to abandon their cultures and beliefs. And this is a common, like, um, counter-missionary tactic by, um, uh, what's his name, Uh, Tobias Singer and so on and so forth. They say that attempting to convert Jews is an act of anti-Semitism because it, it functions as... A, a deletion of, of their culture and whatever the case is, right? I think everyone knows that there's a lot of Jewish Christians that really honor those, those ethnic Jewish traditions and so on and so forth. And so I think that this that uh, Abba's general position can just be summarily dismissed when we look at the Jewish Christian churches that exist in America and all these other kind of things, right? What I cited um, the Talmud and Rabbi Maimonides to point out is, first of all, that Rabbi Maimonides understood the mission of Judaism is to have all of the world accept the Torah in one way or the other, either to be converted to uh, uh, Judaism, which is kind of a secondary thing, or to follow the seven uh, laws. And I read it specifically from that where it says, um, uh, but in this by the same regard, this is the words of Rabbi Maimonides, by the same regard, Moses was commanded by the Almighty to compel all the inhabitants of the world to accept the commandments given to Noah's descendants, right? Then he goes on, he says, if one does not accept these commands, he should be executed, right? So what I'm simply saying here is that it is not that, that Judaism has this more pluralistic, nice nice situation with the world. Instead, the, 
highly respected figures in Judaism understood the idea to be that Judaism does compel people to accept the core teachings of Judaism, either in the form of the, 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 uh, the general commandments, sometimes called the Noahide, or in the forms of conversion to Judaism. Right? It's not the case that Judaism just says, everyone be as you want to be, you know, let's let's hold hands or whatever in some pluralistic situ- situation. I was merely referring, re- referring uh, refuting the point that all of Judaism held to this kind of pluralistic idea that apparently um, G. Rokel holds to. Maybe some do, but it's not a universal Jewish belief. And then my position was just completely misrepresented in a number of ways or whatever. So it's probably not valuable discussing any further thank you for letting me have the final word okay Abba, i'll bring you back up but got chong death bombs on me hey i've been listening in i just wanted to say that, that in this room um i have read the chat i've been following the conversation and milos didn't make any such assertions or claims or conclusions like oh hey no go ahead boss um oh hey you know for this reason, we should hate Jews, or this is the reason that Jews are whatever. I didn't hear any such claims in this room, on mic, or in the chat. Hey, I just got back. Did Abba get dropped? Yeah, he was dropping a couple F-bombs, so I had to drop him. I invited him back up under the condition that he wouldn't drop them, but he hasn't accepted it yet. One of the issues that a lot of Christians on Clubhouse have is that we want to make points um, from the Quran or from the Mishnah or uh, from, uh, you know, all of these different sources, not the Torah, but the scripture, but like all of these secondary sources, so like the uh, Talmud, etc. And I think that we may be hurting a lot more of our arguments than we're helping by simply not just presenting the gospel and letting it lay where it lays. I think that the endless arguments over, you know, the, the character and nature of God and all these other things may not be particularly fruitful. And again, I'm coming from a Calvinistic perspective where, you know, people will be converted when God converts them, um, as opposed to arguing somebody that a lot of destructive things happen when we try to argue people into the kingdom. I'm just going to keep there. Rabbi, what was that? Yeah, look, I'm so, I, I apologize for yelling and swearing, but this is, the, this is the stuff, right? This is exactly the stuff. Oh, I'm just reading your scholars. I'm just blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, like, Anybody can go to the library and watch YouTube videos and Tovi Singer and all this shit, right? I am a Abba. working... <clears throat> Abba, just please, I'll let you back up. I'll on the... my, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I, I'm a working, functioning rabbi. And I'm not going to let people misuse and misunderstand my tradition for some... for, for, for what I perceive as a way to take down my tradition. And I don't think I have to stand for that. And I don't think that any Jew needs to be um, you know, put on trial 
and said to defend your faith against the way that you think it is, right? And like I said, anybody who wants to study these things in the original and work it through with me in a full Jewish way, right, so that you can be edified and learn how this stuff actually functions inside of Jewish tradition so that you can then be better equipped, right? I'm happy to do that with people. But nobody should take the word of somebody who says, oh, I read, I read this book and can't even pronounce the name of the author properly. That's, that's idiocy. So when I attempted to do this the last time uh, with Abba, um, he actually just merely denounced the Jewishness of the scholars that we were interacting with. And he basically just rejected the straw man. Out of hand. Straw right? man. This is a straw man, nothing argument, and has nothing to friend, do with it. Friend, did, yeah. did you say I'm that... I'm not your friend. I'm not your friend. He wasn't a, 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 a Jew? I'm not your friend. I'm not your friend. So what this you can do... To do with, this has nothing to do with anything. You want to remember a conversation from a year and a half ago or whenever it was where maybe I misspoke or something, some off-the-cuff thing that I said about Daniel Bayarin. Let's talk the substance. You want to talk the theology? You want to talk the text? Let's go. Whip it out. You want to just, you want to just focus, find problematic about what I said about Bayarin's politics. Who cares? I don't invalidate him as a scholar. You want to be serious? Be serious me, with me. You want to joke around? Get out of here. Sure, friend. If, if you want to talk about I'm this, I'd be friend. open to talking. I'm not your friend. Stop calling okay, me sorry. friend. I'm not your friend. Look, if you if you would like to speak about this in, in some sort of way or whatever, maybe we can set that at some point in time. But to merely say that you get to represent the truth of Judaism, you singularly get to do this. Uh, Daniel Boyarin doesn't get to, Alan Segal, Michael Segal, these guys, they don't get to speak about it for whatever reasons that you assign to them because of their what position on Zionism. Excuse I'm not. Me. I'm not I, developing my I, own position. I'm restating just, the work just, of the most respected Jewish scholars in the world. You don't get to overrule them in the same Excuse way me. that you take the, the view me. that you Shut that up. I can't overrule you. You don't get to overrule them, friend. Guys, guys. Excuse guys. me. Don't call me friend. Nothing friendly about you, and I don't want your friend. Thank you. Secondly, there are many disagreements. Scholarship within the academy. There are many disagreements on Seagal and Ben Summers, respected as they are. My point is not that you don't have the right to read, you don't have the whatever. My point is that if you don't really understand what you're doing, I don't know if it's just me, but he cut out. I think we should just we should just probably shelf this discussion. Milos, if you want to reach out to Rabbi Abba, you guys want to have a formal conversation, and you would like, you know, a, a third party impartial observer to moderate. I think that would be a much more constructive way of hashing these things out. Rather than I agree. I don't think there's any value in continuing this conversation right now. Okay. So so. So guys, so so Abba, do you is it okay if we just shelf this and we stipulate that, you know, pointing out certain arguments, um, you know, is, is probably not super constructive. Look, I just want everyone to hear very clearly. Okay, there is no there. <laughs> Milos and a lot of all your Christians in the world and here on this app like to quote Jewish scholars as support for their version, for their Christianity. 
And I just want to say, right, that from a Jewish perspective, from a rabbinic perspective, right, this is not only bad history, right, but it's, um, it's terribly insulting, right? It's offensive. And I'm not saying that those opinions didn't exist in the past. And if you want to build your theology around that, whatever. But leave us alone. Don't come to us and say, you're really doing it wrong because, haha, I read what Alan Siegel said about what actual true Judaism is. You don't understand the intellectual history of the Jewish people and the diversity of its theologies and its disagreements, right? And if Rambam, if Maimonides was going to be the end-all, be-all word on Jewish law, as he says was his goal in his book, why is it that apart from the Hebrew Bible, his book is the one that has the most commentary of all other books? You don't understand how Jewish tradition works, and you think it's just about this theological thing and the truth and the truth and the truth. You want to talk about how Jewish tradition works? Let's talk about it. But you're not equipped, I don't think, right? And I don't want to, and I don't want to, you know, have to bury you and show how embarrassing the amount of knowledge is that you have. Embarrassing. You don't even understand the basics of how the Talmud works, of how Rambam used the Talmud, and about how everybody else uses the Talmud, and how Jewish law has been constructed and changed and evolved from the first century on. You think the right way to be Jewish is the way that the first century Jews said to be Jewish? Take a walk. You don't understand one single thing if that's what you think it is. And if you think that that's your truth, your theological truth, that's fine. Leave the rest of us to have our theological truth and live and let live. Leave us the fuck alone. And Abba. Okay, that'll be our last word on this topic. That we needed to, like, stop that, but Milo said he wants to move on anyway, so whoever wants to speak next, just go for it, dude. Just please, just chill on the F-bombs, please. Abba, we, I believe we have heard you. Do you feel like you, you have been heard? Maybe say something in the chat. Okay, cool. All right, so moving on, kids. I have to go to a business lunch. Oh, Chris, like Chris I got to ask you minutes. something before you go. I got to ask you something real quick before you yeah, go. Yeah, sure, dude. I was in a room like two weeks ago or so, and you were having a conversation with Darth Dawkins, and... I was curious, like, you know, what you learned from that conversation. And I heard you say that you all had some beef lately. So just, I was just curious about all 